Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. Worldafropedia.com. Non-white male and his sister. Not a stranger, his sister, who married a white person got divorced from the white person but was married to a white person and this white person not only mistreated her but mistreated the whole family uh, and he was significantly older than her significantly like more than 15 years older than her anywho so she she divorces this white man her brother comes to get a better understanding of racism and encourages her to discontinue being sexually involved with white people. At one point, I'm paraphrasing, she states that she believes she has a genetic predisposition to being attracted to white people. Man, I wish I had remembered this when I was talking to a certain victim yesterday. Um, when we were talking about if racism, white supremacy, if that can contaminate your uh, what you find to be attractive, sexually attractive and I was saying that I believe that that is the case I w- exhibit A, bam, her statement <laughs> uh, she said she believes that she uh, is genetically predispositioned to be attracted to white people both of her parents are non-white by the way anywho so she is of course dating another white person right now, sexually involved with another white person she feels that her family doesn't know this person and she wants to she wants them all to go out right I've said before on the program my code there would be no hanging out there would be no chilling there would be no what's up let's go party let's go to the beach let me try to get to know no Uh, I would make that very clear to anyone if you are sexually involved with this white person I'm not hanging out. We're not going to dinner. He will not be welcome at my residence. 
I'm not, I have no interest and will be making no effort to attend your residence, to visit, under no circumstances. I want to be very clear, and you're not doing it in a rude way, being as polite as pie. As Mr. Fuller said on the program, you could be having dinner, pass the peace. Actually, what I am saying is a little different than that, because I'm saying I'm not going to dinner. Uh, I will not be participating in any way, shape or form. That should be the code. I wouldn't care if you were telling that to your offspring. I wouldn't care if you were telling that to uh, mom, dad, uncle, nephew, best friend for life. Wouldn't matter. He didn't take that step here. We will see where the story goes. So her, his sister wants the whole family to meet this racist they go out to dinner they're in transit uh, I believe the white man sister uh, male sibling they're all in the same vehicle um, the white male it has a disagreement with the non-white male and of course you can predict this stuff sad it's on my blog post I wrote uh, what things that happen when non-white people are sexually involved with white people sad run the acronym space they will make space for white people who are not racist a abstract they will not talk about racism in specific terms it will be abstract it will be uh, some nebulous thing racism is out there we have institutional racism there will be something other than white people directly mistreating us distance two D's distance Distance, excuse me, divided. I'm sorry, divided loyalties. First one, divided loyalties. They will have a difficult time figuring out whether they are supposed to be. If there is a war going on, they'll have a difficult time figuring out now, am I on the non white side or the white side? Divided loyalties. I actually got that from a non white guest who is married to a white person. That's a direct quote from her. Uh, where she said she had divided loyalties about talking about racism because she is married to a white person. Uh, and the final D, defending white people. Self, uh, self-explanatory. His sister engages in all of these behaviors. Uh, defending the white person, he's not bad, you, you're talking to her brother, you are the one who's at fault here, you're doing something incorrect. Bah, 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 bah. All of the, the blame goes to the non-white person. Eventually, it gets the conflict gets so bad that his sister decides, I'm putting you out of the vehicle. I'm not even going to take you to a bus stop. Get out right now. <laughs> so, I mean, think of it, this is horrible. I don't know. I'm an only child, so I can't relate to the sibling aspect. But, I mean, people out there who have siblings, think about that. And particularly if you have an understanding of racism, think about that. You're with your sister or your brother or whatever, family member. Um, sibling is pretty close it could be a child or whatever and they are sexually involved with a white person and they decide they would prefer to put you out of the vehicle in the middle of nowhere not at a bus stop, not at your residence just get out, wherever we happen to be at just get out right now, me and my white person are going on without you, just imagine that anywho uh, and so she stops the car Wherever they happen to be, she stops the car and demands that he get out right now. I'm not taking you any further. <clears throat> Non-white person refuses to get out. This, you know, more squabbling, bickering, just the worst of situations. Eventually, the white person decides that he's going to call the police. Imagine that. You go out to eat with your sister and her boyfriend. And this, you know, escalates to the point where someone is threatening to call the police. White man begins to dial 
non-white person uh, knocks the phone out of his hand, breaks it. I would Gus put an asterisk down at that point in the story. <laughs> the person who experienced all this, you know, kept right on rolling. I put a major asterisk like, woof, that is, uh, that is not doing a good job of handling your emotions, in my opinion. Anywho. So the person, the non-white male, knocks the phone out of the white man's hand, right? It shatters into a thousand pieces. The white man responds, and I guess it's important for the story. The non-white male, he kicked the phone out of the white male's hands. The non-white male kicked the phone out of the white man's hand and broke it. The white man, at this point, jumps on the ground, clutching his throat, and (laughs) squealing as if he has been assaulted. The non-white female sister she didn't see this so she believes the white man and thinks that oh my god you kicked him in the throat how could you Uh, she begins to attack her brother I'll say that again non-white male she begins to attack her brother defending the white man it's the whole post sad anywho she rips his shirt scratches him while all this is going on the white man who is pretending to have been assaulted. He jumps up, runs across the street, sees another group of white people, Voltron effect, goes to get another group of white people, grabs their phone, calls the police. Police arrive. Police arrive. Imagine that. You go out with a family member and the police arrive. I mean, anywho. So the police come. They're, you know, what, what is your story? Sit down, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, uh, they are talking to his sister, not white female. And she divulges that she she ripped. I mean, you can see his shirt is ripped and he has scratches. This is all visible. So she admits to the enforcement officers. I ripped his shirt. Um, We were having a disagreement. It just got out of hand. Uh, But everything is calm now. You know, there's no problem. However, unfortunately, uh, in the state of Washington, I guess the way that white people have the rules written, if the police are called and there's evidence that there has been some form of assault, physical dispute, if there's evidence of that and the police have been called, someone has to go to jail uh, for at least one night. They had evidence. She admitted to assaulting him. Sister, you're going to jail. They handcuff her, put her in the back of the police car. Imagine that. Just think about that. It, particularly if you are more informed that that's this is where going out with a white person for one evening with your family member who's sexually involved with them, this is where things can lead. So sister has to go to jail for the evening. They take her away. They say the charges will probably be dropped because her brother's not going to press charges and these can't really proceed if the person's not willing to press charges. So it'll all be dropped the next day, they say. Unfortunately for her, part of the plantation strategy right now is to incarcerate as many black people as possible. The court docket is full, so she has to stay in jail another night. Two nights in jail. Three days in jail. And $5,000 in attorney's fees. Later, she is allowed, she is released. Charges dropped. Now, just that right there, just that right there, just ponder on that for a moment, right? Two nights in jail, $5,000 in expenses, 
just going out for a family meal with your white sex partner and your brother. Context of white supremacy, Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully, to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Wednesday, May 18th, 2016. So I have been told uh, that snippet uh, that was I was just coming back from vacation in the summer of 2012. Uh, that was one of the stories uh, that a non-white male, incidentally, non-black non-white male shared with me uh, about the tragedy, tragic arrangements of his sister, uh, quote-unquote Asian female, uh, being sexually involved with a white person, and you heard what happened. Uh, The reason I played a little long, but it is exactly uh, the main thrust of what we're going to be talking about today. I had mentioned it before, people had been asking what to do, strategies, suggestions, uh, if you unfortunately have a family member who ends up being marrying producing a child with uh, or they're in some sort of serious long-term sexual arrangement with a white person what to do suggestions strategies on how to deal with all of this I thought it would be grand uh, to have one of our favorites back on the broadcast uh, to give her views on it I will say quickly we will have Lauren Cresslove on the program again tomorrow that is Dr. Frances Cresswellsing's oldest sister Uh, she's been with a been on the program a couple times this year. It would be great to hear from her again. Always grand to uh, keep Dr. Welsing's uh, spirit with us, but that's tomorrow, same time. Uh, but joining us today, always grand to have her on the program, easily one of our favorite guests. People always get super excited to uh, hear her views. Uh, you can check out her blog, constant updates, her, one of her latest posts uh, on Hillary Clinton, suspected race soldier. Her views on Margaret Sanger. Uh, you can check it, racismws.com, racismws.com. She is co author of a plethora of constructive counter racist material uh, Trojan Horse, Death of a Dark Nation, Black Love is a Revolutionary Act, The Beauty Con Game, uh, and the book that deals with what we're going to be discussing today, The Interracial Con Game. As I said, always a treat to have her on the program. Joining us live, Trojan Pam. Pam, are you with us? Yes, I am. How are you, Gus? Right poorly, but uh, glad to have <laughs> you uh, back with us once again. Always grand to have your views uh, with us on the program. Uh, anything you would like to share with listeners? I guess if any folks, this might be their first time hearing from you. Anything you think it would be important for them to know about you before we get started? Well, um the only thing that comes to mind is that, uh, you know, there's just a lot to learn. You know, I've written several books, but I don't definitely don't have the, all the answers or even most of the answers. So hopefully I will learn something from tonight's program as well, particularly when it comes to dealing with relatives who are engaged in uh, relationships with white people, you know, marriage or have children with white people. So hopefully I'll learn some, some uh, strategies as well. But uh, other than that, no. No. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. right on. I know before the broadcast I was telling you 
uh, about the introduction that we were going to play, and you said you did think it was important that because the victims in that clip, they were not black, uh, so-called Asian uh, male, Asian female, that you thought that was important. Why? I think because uh, racism, white supremacy is a global system, and it pretty much functions. There's a lot of similarities in how it functions, whether it be a person, whatever the person of color is, you'll find that there's more similarities than differences. And so I think it helps people to understand that, no, it's not a so-called black-white problem. It's a global problem. And the same dysfunction and the same confusion and the same um, self-destructiveness occurs across all the lines. As a matter of fact, when you look at, you know, when I did the book, uh, The Interracial Con Game, I was surprised to find out if these statistics are, are correct, that black people were the least likely partners of white people when it came to marriage, that the numbers of white-slash-Asian marriages was higher, uh, white-slash-Native American marriages were higher than, than white-black. So this is a global problem, and I think that I think it helps to understand that this is a system and that the players behave the same way regardless. As long as you're a person of color, you're going to have a problem. So I think it just broadens the scope and, and helps people understand that, you know, take their, take their focus outside of just their own personal experiences and see it as a system because that's exactly what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know we've had uh, even a number of uh, Asian people on the program uh, who have given similar testimony about the damage, the havoc uh, that has been wreaked when they did not have an adequate understanding of racism and ended up having some sort of uh, tragic arrangement, uh, sexual liaison with a white person, and then began to realize, wait a minute, I might be sexually involved with a racist. Global system. Um, before we get into the topic, I know I have said uh, on numerous occasions that it's been my observation that victims of racism get much more excited about this particular subject matter than most of the other commentary on racism. When it comes Area 8, sex and racism, oh man, the phone lines light up. People are ready to talk. They want to talk. They want to bring this up over and over again. Uh, it, and it got to the point where I had to uh, disallow this even being discussed on the compensatory call-in because this will dominate uh, discussions uh, on racism uh, if you know they're not parameters, at least in my experience. Um, what's been your observation around that? Do you have any thoughts on what might be uh, motivating that pattern of behavior? I think it's... Uh it's the way people are programmed in this society all to, uh, overall, and that is the, the, the subjects that are titillating, you know, sex, gossip, entertainment. You know, people have pretty much been programmed to, to think that that's the most interesting thing you can talk about, when in reality there's a lot of other things that are a lot more interesting. But it's, it serves, it's, it's what we've been, we've been raised on. When it comes to tabloid magazines at the, at the news checkout stand, when it comes to the things that people gossip about and whisper about, the things that are taboo, you know, uh, it's like peeking in someone's bedroom. You know, maybe for some people it's just a vicarious thing. You just never know. I just think those kind of subjects that are um, people consider titillating are things that they like to talk about because it's what we've been programmed to be interested in. Um, now, in sex, even though I don't think there's anything sexy 
about interracial sex in terms of talking about it from a counter-racist viewpoint. It's still sex. And I think there are people who've engaged in sex with white people, and there are people who haven't, who are curious about it, curious about the dynamic of it. So it's, it's, <laughs> I've, been on, I've been listening to your show where you had to say, okay, we can, no, nobody's going to talk about, <laughs> what is it, area number eight? He goes, cut them off, cut them off at the knees. <laughs> And I can just see him. I can almost imagine them on the other end of the phone. I just squirm. Oh, dang! Look, he's spoiling our fun. We we was going at it. We was really getting good. You know, we were getting warmed up. But I think it's just something that people in this culture. Um, first of all, we don't have a realistic, reasonable, mature view of sex to begin with. This whole culture is totally idiotic, in my opinion, when it comes to sex. You know, there's no, you know, there's no passage, you know, from male, from uh, childhood to adulthood. Everything is secretive. Everything is whispered. Everything is presented in such a way in which there's no, you know, there's no real, what I would call, down-to-earth information, you know. Uh, so this whole culture is, is steeped in Victorian, uh, you know, it's almost like a combination of Victorian, Victorianism and just plain old um, voyeurism, all of that, you know. So I think it's just the way we've been raised to think about sex that makes it so titillating and, and puts it out of perspective in terms of its importance. For sure. I know Mr. Fuller, uh, he does mention white supremacy, strongest motivating force amongst people in the known universe. Number two, sexual intercourse, a very important motivating factor uh, amongst people. I think that's accurate as well. And as, as you said, hey, sex sells. I think whites, they understand psychology. They motivate a lot of people to purchase products, watch television programs, buy things. Uh, sex is used for a variety of purposes. So no real surprise that sex would end up being uh, that exciting for people to talk even in a counter-racist context. That's it. Hopping into today's subject. And I do want to add a footnote because people have got upset. You, <laughs> When I've said on the program before, like we're not talking about Area 8 today or whatever, that this is not. I've said before, you know, there, there are topics where I feel we have not done an adequate job covering it. Environmental pollution, I'd say, is definitely one uh, out of several that it's at the top of the list that we have not done an adequate job covering. Sexual intercourse and racism is not one. <laughs> I would say we have done a poor job of covering the subject matter uh, contrary mon frères. Uh, I think we have done more than that. In fact, we didn't do another job, another program on this subject matter. I still think we would be fine. Uh, Renitia Tate has been on the program repeatedly. We've talked about this with Dr. Welsing, Mr. Fuller. We've had white people that are married to black people. We've had Asian people that have talked about this, black people that have been married to white people, males and females, the whole gamut, people that are uh, the product of these uh, relationships. Uh, I think we've done tons over the years. And even specifically what we're talking about today, uh, quite a few of our guests have given their thoughts on this as well. Mr. Fuller in the past has talked about this, what to do if you have family members that are married to white people. Renitia Tate, who wrote Pieces of a Puzzle, she's been on the program repeatedly. She gave her view on what to do about this. So this is something that's come up before. I just thought it would be grand to get Pam to be able to go into more detail about it and to give some suggestions and people can add, uh, ask questions. With that, um, having a family member or a close friend, what have you, that ends up being in a sexual relationship with white people. Um, 
this is something that you've talked about before in terms of dealing with this personally. Like this is not an abstract thing. Uh, you were just talking about this. Like this is something that you've had to, to deal with in your own existence. Um, in your situation, did your family, did they know your stance that you think this is incorrect under system of racism before they got involved with the white person? Or was that something where you had to tell them this after they came like, look, who's coming to dinner, Pam? Hey, da da, And then you got to say, oh, no, I don't support this. No, uh, I have to say no to either one. Uh, when my, uh, the people on my side of the family, for the most part, when they got married, I was a teenager, I think. Uh, yeah, I was a teenager. And quite honestly, I didn't think it was a bad thing, and I didn't necessarily think it was a good thing. I thought it was, you know, I had mixed feelings about it because I didn't know anything. You know, I don't even think I was a teenager when one of them got married. I was still, uh, I was under 12. So um, I didn't really have a coherent, uh, I kind of knew something was not quite right with the way black people made a fuss over white people, but this was all in my family. So it was kind of like, it's, 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 how do you even describe it? It was, it was something I think, a sense I had that this might not be such a great thing. But at the same time, you know, white people were special. And to have a white person within your midst elevated you generally as a person. You know, if you're walking around and there's a white person in your group, you feel somehow redeemed. Like, okay, everybody sees me with this white person, and so it, it, it enhances your status. I mean, for real, it enhanced your status. It enhanced your status among some blacks. It enhanced your status, you thought, among whites, although it didn't enhance your status at all. You were still a you-know-what. But, uh, you know, you grew up in a family where white is special, and the irony is my family wasn't, you know, like I've seen people where they don't like black people and they worship white people. That wasn't my family. My family, they were nice. I mean, they were decent people to anybody, you know. But you could tell that there was a certain elevation of white people that went on. And so the children, when they were born, you know, they were, you know, more special. Not necessarily treated a lot better, but you knew that they were perceived as special because they look more white than they did black. You know, the hair, especially the hair and the skin color, particularly the hair. Because, you know, light-skinned black people are everywhere. You know, uh, white people, uh, having someone marry a white person, you know, I mean, you got light-skinned people. With, most black people have light-skinned people in their family or people that could have passed for white, so did I. So it wasn't even the skin color. I think it was just the idea that they had a white parent and they, had, they were more white, and the hair and the skin and all that just kind of went along with it. So it was, um, no, I never said anything. And have I said anything now? No. These people are all in their, you know, they're all older than me, and they've still been married to these people. And uh, what, what is there for me to say? You know, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to accomplish anything by saying, well, you know, I, as I got older, I grew to understand that this was wrong. I mean, am I going to say that to them? Maybe someone with, with, with more courage would say it, but I'm not going to say it because I don't see how it's going to make a difference. I mean, they've been with these people for, for decades. Wow. Wow. And I don't have that much family, so I'm personally, I don't see, it wouldn't go over well. It wouldn't go over well because they're totally confused and they're totally resistant. Uh, even though they've said things over the years that let me know, 
that it wasn't all peaches and cream. Neither one is willing to discuss it. No, you're not going to have that conversation. You're not going to have the conversation. They're terrified of the conversation. They don't want to look at the implications, and they're not going to tell you the truth about what they've experienced being the spouse of a white person in a racist society. They're not going to really tell you. So some people are more open. Not family's not. They don't want to talk about anything that is upsetting to them. They don't want to talk about anything. Not just that, nothing. Huh. I suspect being with those white people has created that dynamic in that there's a lot they can't talk about. In other words, they, they are living two lives. They're living the life that they live in front of that white person and then the life that they're living inside their head as a black person in a black-hating society. So they're used to lying, deceiving, hiding, the self-deception, pretending, ignoring. They're used to that. So I mean, you're not going to shake me. I mean, this is how I've survived. This shell that I've built around myself where I don't really deal with anything that's upsetting to me, you're not going to come in here and tell me something, that I'm, you know, that I'm doing something wrong after all these years. So it's, it's a futile, it would be a futile conversation. I wouldn't even attempt it. It, wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it would serve no purpose whatsoever. Hmm. Let's see. Did you want, I guess that's important that, you know, some of these tragic arrangements happened when you were very young and didn't have a more comprehensive understanding of racism and the why this is correct. You just had a sense or a feeling that something was a little off about this. Then as you got older, you got a better understanding to, to recognize, to be able to explain the logic of what was uh, incorrect uh, about these arrangements. Um, did at any point, I guess, I guess two things. I'll start. Number one, at any point, did you have conversations with other family members, not necessarily the people that were uh, with these white people, but other folks in the family to say, hey, uh, I don't exactly think this marrying white folks. I don't exactly think that that is correct. I don't think that that's something we should be doing under a system of racism. Did you attempt to have that conversation with other family members? No, because everybody's in a conspiracy of silence. Hmm. Even the people that are not engaged in it, they're not comfortable talking about it. And if they didn't engage in it, their children did. Surrounded by it. You know, some people don't have that family dynamic where they're surrounded by it. Uh, when you're surrounded by it, and, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, what I have found is <laughs> if you, when you're dealing with people who are not comfortable with intimate conversations, you're going to have trouble with discussing anything that requires any real revelation. Um, no. No. And then, too, a lot of them don't see anything wrong with it. They still got to uh, go to churches with white Jesus on the wall. You know what I mean? So, so I don't know. Wow. That's why I would tell a person. I would tell a person. If you, I've had different people email me, and I tell all of them, if you're going down this road of counter-racism, you've got to accept two things. One is, once you go down so far, you're not going back. You can't, unless you go insane, you can't pretend to not know what you know. You can try to cope with it however you cope with it, but you're going to always know that something's not right. And the other thing is, be prepared to feel some isolation. It's not an easy road. It really isn't. Particularly now that the media, the media and, the, and, the, and the system has pushed 
a lot of interracial confusion on the black people. You're bound to have somebody in your inner circle, your family circle, friend circle, who's doing it. You know, if you don't, you're very lucky. But more than likely, it's almost like a strategy. It's almost like a Trojan horse within the black community to infiltrate our families with all this interracial sex and interracial marriages and interracial babies. And even if you want to take a stand, you're going to find it difficult because you're going to look and your sister's over there, your brother's over there, your uncle's over there, you know, and it's going to be difficult. And, and if you speak out against it, you're going to find that even the people that talk privately but you agree with you are not going to agree with you publicly. Hmm. Nobody's going to have your back because the comfort level is not there. Honest conversation about racism makes black people as uncomfortable as white people. And black, white people deep down inside have been bred to be afraid. They've been bred to be afraid of white people and their wrath and what they might say or think or do or displeasing them or making them angry. And the one thing we don't want them to think is that we're a racist. Oh, my God, that's the worst possible thing a black person could ever be conceived of as a racist by a white person. It strikes fear. It just, it just makes us super uncomfortable. And we'll break our necks to make that white person comfortable. And talking about interracial relationships in a way that's not flattering is definitely not going to put you on the right side of most black people or white people. So prepare to be isolated. You know, some isolation depends on what, how your family dynamic is. And if you have a couple of people in your family that you can talk honestly about it who agree with you, you're lucky. But also, you start going down that road, you, ain't, you know, it's no going back. You might not go as far as you should go, but you're never going to go back to zero. Unless you just go crazy and become totally delusional. But once you understand it and you understand that, that you know, something about racism, white supremacy, and how it's practiced, and how sex is an integral part of it, you're not going to be able to go back. Um, I don't know. But, no, I have a, a, a very uh, disturbing family dynamic. It's uh, at least quite isolated. Hmm. That, too, product of white supremacy, I suspect. Uh, a lot of people listening to this broadcast and just non-white people in general uh, can co-sign on that. And that's why I played, picked that clip, uh, one of the reasons why I picked that audio clip at the beginning. Not just black people, I think, uh, for many, many non-white people across the world that is the case uh, where their families have been totally disrupted uh, as a result of racism, white supremacy. Um, even while you were responding there, I thought, wow, that's such a great title. Somebody should write a book on counter-racism, Trojan Horse. Hmm. Um, <laughs> you also said uh, during your previous response that from time to time, even though you have this, this kind of conspiracy of silence where out of fear, conditioning, white identification uh, concept mentioned, I think, in all of your books, uh, where we don't want to be honest uh, about racism, what's happening to us uh, under this system as black people, non-white people. Um, you said that, but from time to time, you get uh, a little sliver of information that, whoa, this is not all peaches and cream. Uh, you know, there, there's something is amiss here. Uh, can you think of a, a, a specific antidote when you did get a little bit of information that, well, wait a minute, this, you know, this is not all it's cracked up to be. This is some truthful information here. One uh, time, a female relative said to me regarding interracial relationship, that she had been married, had a couple kids by them. She said, don't do it. And then she just kind of ran away. She didn't, she didn't elaborate. She didn't want to go any further. I was young. I didn't understand, really, 
that that was a great opportunity because I had, you know. But uh, no, she never she never said that again. Then I had another one who said we were in the room, you know, the whole house, you know, the uh, in the other room there were some white people. It was just me and her in the other room, and she said they don't want equality like that, real low. And then she didn't say anything else, and I knew she wasn't ready for a conversation. So I suspect, like I said, I think it's like a, a house of glass, and you start call yourself tapping on the glass, they're not going to, you know, they're going to run because, you know, it's, there may be some good things about that relationship, but there's a lot of confusion and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of confusion and probably a lot of resentment. So uh, they're not willing to examine it because they're in too deep. And their mindset is such that they're so programmed and so white identified, they can't get out anyway. They can't get out. And that's the interesting part is the, the, the degree of white identification. It gets deeper and deeper. And that's why I tell people it's the danger of being involved with a white person is your degree of white identification is going to change. You can say it's not, but it will. The only thing that might change your rhetoric might become more militant in an attempt to pretend that you're not becoming more white identified. But believe me, you get in that bed with them every night, you're becoming more white identified. You're starting to see things differently, and you're starting to become more anti-black and more alienated for black people. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to get along with them, particularly white, black female, white male, particularly in that combination. You know, the black female, from my experience, has to be, a great degree, be very white identified. Now, she can have a dreadlocks, and she can wear dashiki, she can do all that surface stuff, but she better be white identified, or he, they're not going to get along. They can have their little conversations about race. But believe you me, at the end of the day, he better know where her loyalties lay. So it just creates more white identification, more self-hatred. They deny it if they want to. But how can you be more white identified in this system and not become more self-hating as a black person? It's impossible. So you become more self-hating, more mentally ill, more confused, and more anti-black. Because the whole process of white identification is to become anti-black. Because everything about white identification says black is wrong. White is better. So how can you not become more self-hating and more uh, anti-black? I don't see how it's possible. So black people engaging in these relationships, their mindset starts to deteriorate. And they can talk a good game about, you know, I, I've seen couples where, you know, they talk about racism blah, 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 in front of the white person and everything. And now you're thinking, looking at that white person. I didn't know better then. Now I do. That white person, like, let them just get it out of this system because I know they're going to be right back in bed with me. So let this little Negro talk, 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 talk. At the end of the day, I'm still going to be running the show. And they're still going to be catering to me. They can talk all this stuff if they want to. At the end of the day, they're still going to be currying my favor. Wow. Context of white supremacy. Uh, the address, again, for the blog, racismws.com. You can check out blog posts, books, all of the above. Our guest, Trojan Pam. Um, do, because I know some of the listeners, they uh, have asked, you know, do you minimize or alter your contact? when You have relatives, people that you care about, they are sexually involved with a white person, 
Uh, do you, you know, say, hey, I'm not going to come to your house and hang out with you and your white husband or your white wife, whatever it is. I'm not coming to your house. Uh, or if you come into my house, your white partner is not welcome. Uh, I'm not coming to Christmas, that sort of thing. Do you alter or minimize your contact or you just go and, and say, well, this is still this is still my family. So I'm going to go and hang out and just, you know, deal with this white person as best I can. Uh, which which choice do you make? <laughs> That's a million-dollar question. Uh, I think I, I would suspect most people find some way to compromise. They don't cut their family off altogether. They don't necessarily tell them they can't bring their spouse over. Oh, my God. You tell them they can't bring their spouse over to your house. Everybody in the family is going to be mad at you. So you're going to take a strong stand like that. you got to be ready for the ramif- for the uh, ramifications. You really better be ready for the ramifications. Nobody's going to approve of that. Nobody. Uh, only thing I can say is the most effective strategy that I've found for me personally is just minimize contact. And that's not good either. But um, what do you do? Well, somebody's been married for 30 years. <laughs> and everybody in the family accepts that person. What do you do? How do you, like on a personal level, how do you deal with the uh, racist intruder? Do you just ignore them uh, the few times that you do have to hang out in their presence? Do you ignore them? Do you try to be cordial to minimize contact with your other family members? Do you try to uh, casually say things that indirectly bring up racism? Like personally, how have you codified how to deal with that racist intruder the times that you have to? Woo! You know... I don't ignore them. I try to be cordial. Do I bring up racism? No. No. I'm probably not the best person to give anybody advice on this because I've been dealing with this since I was a little girl. And these people, I've known them for a long time. And I've come up through a family situation where this was not only considered normal, it was considered desirable. So it's just probably in the last, Five, ten years that I really, really, because, um, see, I was caught in a situation where it was tug, pushing, tug, it was a tug of war. You know, I was around these white-identified people, nice people, but white-identified people. Uh, I knew something wasn't right because I'm thinking, like, you're teaching me to respect people that's mistreating me. You're teaching me to look up to people who are mistreating me. I'm talking about white people collectively. And so it was a lot of anger growing up, and uh, I probably still have some of that anger. And I do resent some of the things that happen, um, you know, because of the white identification. And as a child, a black child and a white identified, you know, very, a lot of white identified people, you get a lot of mixed messages. And, uh, you know, you know something's not right, but you don't have any uh, skill set to deal with it. So I would say I do what I've always done. I just, I minimize contact. Well, that's not what I've always done, but now I just minimize contact. I'm not going to change anything. Nope. I'm not going to change anything. And I know these, I know them well enough to know they're not going to talk about anything. And even if you try to push it, it's going to be a failure. Hmm. You'll be the only one in the room that wants to participate in it. So you'd be talking to yourself. 
Mm. People are in these relationships. It goes deep. And whatever it is that they understood about racism, it gets buried underneath an avalanche of lies. I've watched the people in a family pretend that racism isn't being practiced. Why we're out in public, I see it. And they pretend it's not happening. But if you told them, you know, race, oh, yes, I know about it. You know, you can talk about it intellectually. Uh, but they're in denial. The denial was so deep. Context of white supremacy. Uh, this is mentioned uh, specifically in the interracial con, uh, the interracial con game, book number three, uh, Trojan Horse Press, uh, on page two eighty four. Uh, this is playing the right side of the chessboard. Uh, you have a couple of vignettes where you said people, you know, have written in to talk about this. Uh, you share some of the things that people have written to share with you over the years. Uh, the first anecdote. <clears throat> Last year, our firm hosted a Halloween costume party for one of our biggest clients, a conservative woman's business group. My senior manager, he's white, chose a mammy type dress and head rag for my costume. I know this is the so-called Deep South but I thought blacks had made more progress than this. I hate to admit this, but I was worried about the out, about outright refusing. It's hard enough being the token black man in management without getting a reputation for being too sensitive or having a chip on my shoulder. I ran it down to my wife, and instead of her seeing my side, she asked if any other men were wearing costumes. I told her, that's beside the point. This is the South, and I think that kind of black mammy crap has a history I'm not comfortable with. It's not like I'm some kind of power to the black militant or some street thug. How could I be anti-wife when my wife is white? Hmm, how indeed. She says mm -hmm. I should be a good sport, and then she throws in the kicker. And she said she had it worse than me because she's a woman. <laughs> we'll read one more. Uh, this is also on, well, this is on 285. I'm against interracial relationships because of what I have seen it do to black people. For example, my sister is married to a white man and has completely lost touch with her black identity. All her friends are white and her kids think they're white. No matter what the subject is, she always takes the white side. For example, she was talking about how lazy the black students are in the college where she's a student advisor. She said they care more about partying than getting an education. I told her, of course. They went to the same kind of inferior schools we went to. I couldn't believe she said this in front of her white husband. Another time, I was visiting, and she waited until her husband left the room to say, whites don't want equality. She said they gave her promotion to a white boy who had been there less than a year. Turns out she was catching all kinds of black hell at that elite white college she was so proud of working for. She can't talk to her husband about racism. She can't talk to her white friends. I guess this was eating her up inside, so she had to let it out with another black person. From the outside, she's living the good life, but I don't think she's happy. 
I wonder how much of that has to do with being married to a white man who pretends you never deal with any racism. Again, all in the interracial con game. Uh, specifically, you in, well, not you, I guess, the person that wrote in, uh, in the first uh, vignette talking about, or I guess the second uh, vignette where they're talking about how uh, this victim of racism, this black female, where she ends up losing contact with her black identity. Uh, sometimes I think this happens in a very physical way where you end up being kind of isolated from other black people. Uh, and I think that can end up being a part of the, the problem, really the tragedy uh, in these arrangements uh, that can make it very difficult. Even if you, if you, let's say you're the victim in this situation and you are trying to get better understanding of racism, trying to be honest with yourself and make an honest assessment of, you know, the situation that you're in, it can be difficult because you end up being kind of excluded from black people. Just can you talk, because I think you shared a little bit before that if you try to bring these issues up and say, hey, I, I think there's something awry about this relationship, they'll say, oh, you're racist or, oh, you know, you're the one that's the problem. You're not even giving this white person a chance. Blah, 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 blah. They'll fuss at you and make you the enemy uh, where when the white person comes into these arrangements, they end up causing massive disruption. Uh, amongst the family that can end up leaving this non-white person, male or female, very, very isolated and kind of in a, in, a, in a situation where they really only have access and contact with a lot of other white people, racists. Yeah, I think now it, it could be, you know, there could be exceptions or maybe there's a lot of exceptions. But what I think is when the black person marries a white person, for example, that white person doesn't, necess- doesn't necessarily or usually want to be part of the whole black thing, you know, the black family, the extended family. So the black person, uh, they either have to spend time away from, with a lot, you know, if, they, if they're still uh, connected to a lot of black people, they're probably going to do it without this, other, without this spouse being around. So, I mean, I don't know if they're sneaking or what, or they're going to limit their contact with other black people. And sometimes they limit their contact with other black people because they've become more anti-black. Or they were anti-black before they even got in this relationship. Because I found that just my experience, the majority of people I've known that have gotten serious with a white person were, went from one white person to the next. And if they left that white person, they go to another white person. So they've already got it in their minds that they want to be with a white person. So that spouse that they're with or that boyfriend or girlfriend they're with will probably be replaced by another white person. Now, I think sometimes people will hook up with a white person, and they might not go to another white person after it ends. But the majority of people I've seen who are really, uh, who get serious with a white person, they would have been with a white person anyway. They were dating them. They were, uh, they, they wanted to be with somebody white. So, um, you know, they're, they're just, uh, in a pressure cooker, I mean, on the outside it can look great, but you can't tell me that this person you're supposed to be close to that you can't be honest with about something that impacts your life on a daily basis, and you can't talk to them about it with any realistic understanding. You can't tell me that's not stressful, that you've got to pretend that stuff's not happening, it is happening, or you have to take their side and things, or you have to tone down what you're thinking or saying, or you have to change the channel when something comes on, or you feel uncomfortable when subjects come up. You can't tell me that that doesn't carry with it a whole lot of burden. And most of the time it's the black person that caves in, not the white person. The white person doesn't have to accommodate you. 
But if you're with them, you're going to be accommodating them on some level. Or the relationship is not going to last but a second. You've got to accommodate that whiteness. You can kid yourself and say you're not, but you're accommodating that whiteness on some level. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's one of the things that I've uh, encouraged listeners when this topic comes up and they say, well, what to do? Your sister, your brother, whomever, niece, nephew, they end up married to a white person. One of the things that I think, uh, and I, in my view, it is a major act of counter-racism to make sure that you preserve the relationship with that person, even if you're frustrated, disappointed, upset. Uh, about them being involved with a white person, if this ends up being like a marriage or they end up having a child with this white, this racist, um, to try to preserve the relationship at minimum, preserve open, uh, cordial lines of communication uh, because that isolation happens so frequently. Uh, as you said, I'm sure there are some uh, exceptions, but at least it's been my experience and I've heard from listeners repeatedly where this happened, I'm even a black female that I'm thinking of where that black person ends up being very isolated. As you just said, they, the typical racist, it's not like they want to be all up in, you know, the black experience, quote unquote, and around a whole lot of black people. You're going to end up most of the time living in an environment where you're around more white people going to engagements. And I guess what they call social functions where you're fraternizing with others around a lot of white people, uh, where that black person has very limited access to other black people. Uh, and if you can preserve the lines of communication, if it ever happens where they want to talk honestly about racism, whether it's they directly think that their partner is practicing racism or they just want to talk about it in general and they want to have honest dialogue, if you can at least preserve the lines of communication, I think that that can be really, really helpful. And especially I would submit if it's non-judgmental where they can come to you and you're not going to be I told you so you're no good you're so stupid you're coon I told you that a year and you didn't if it's just you're listening with empathy this is a victim this is a hey we all as we learn we do better we make better choices if the person is serious and they really want to get a better understanding and they're coming to you uh, I think that's one of the best things that you can do uh, really even maybe be proactive about making sure that you preserve lines of communication with this person because it, it's been my experience that's one of the main things and I think we were talking about this before the program it seems like this is a part of the white supremacy code book we're going to go infiltrate these families and wreak total havoc we're going to have it so that you know mom is now no longer talking to her daughter or the parents are no longer talking to their son or siblings are no longer talking to each other because just me little old one white person has showed up and destroyed the whole family and i think both of us we have seen that play out repeatedly not just in one or two instances but it almost seems like this is a major part of the racist strategy of what they were hoping to accomplish did you want to add to that Yes. As a matter of fact, it must be a strategy. And I say it's a strategy because of the promotion of it, the endless promotion of it, the movies and TV shows and articles discouraging black men and women from being together, the studies that show that black women ain't going to have nobody. You better marry up, marry out instead of marrying down. Uh, just on and on. And when you look at the TV commercials, and I do not understand for the life of me how this escapes anybody's attention that the majority of black people on television now are, so, quote, unquote, racially ambiguous. In other words, they're made to look or they look like somebody who has a white parent and a black parent. The majority of people in the TV commercials are ambiguous. The babies even are ambiguous. 
So how could this be not a strategy when they're promoting it? Now, if we didn't have all these images on here, then I wouldn't have such a, be able to make such a statement. But when I look at the way they push and, 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 and the, the times they show black men and women together, it's always negative. It's always a conflict. It's always disrespect. Either the black woman is being mistreated by the black man or the black man has been abandoned by the black woman. You see movie after movie where the black man got to make it on his own because there ain't no, no good woman, black woman around. She ain't nowhere to be found. Or the black woman is dealing with a man that's abusing her. When you look at the imagery and how they constantly push uh, 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 pit us against each other, how could that be an accident that we wind up in these relationships? And so you, you don't even see positive black male, female relationships. I know people right now tonight are going to be watching Empire. And some people aren't listening to your program tonight because they're going to watch Empire. So I'm saying when you look at Empire, it's, it, I don't look at it, but I hear about it. And it is so anti-black and so anti-black female and black male that it's amazing to me that people can stomach it. However, it's drama. But my point is that's got to be a strategy. Or they wouldn't be promoting. You look at the commercials. It's always a black guy surrounded by white people. Always. Then you'll see a black woman, and she'll be by herself. And if she has children, she's always by herself. So they're doing their best to make sure that we don't wind up together. And we have not had the forethought to see, when I see something over and over again, there's a message there. Not by accident. So, yes, it is a strategy. They know exactly what they're doing. And they're doing it for multiple reasons. But one of the reasons is it weakens us and destroys our families and destroys. Now, here I'm looking at it. it it's just, yeah, it's a strategy, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ingenious strategy because it looks like acceptance when in reality it's sabotage. Before we even move any further, I'm tired of having to tell you about coming on this program and besmirching Empire. I've had just enough of your bad mouth <laughs> of our favorite program here at the cows. And you are going to be disinvited if you keep that up. Uh, this is going to be the last warning that you get about talking bad about my favorite program. Now, well, uh, you know what? There is one good thing about Empire. They just have lots of homosexuality. I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> another, another program, another program. Um, okay. Ab this is my last time, so I'm going to make you <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And if folks wanted uh, uh, another illustration in terms of, of the strategy, in terms of we are, are using these quote-unquote tragic arrangements, interracial relationships to infiltrate and disrupt black families, uh, Bruce M. Wright, he's known as Turn em Loose Bruce. Uh, he was a former judge, black male, former judge. Uh, he wrote uh, Black Robes, White Justice, a uh, book we should do uh, on the program uh, down the road at some point. But uh, he, unfortunately, married a white woman. When he died, she had his remains cremated before the family had an op his black family had an opportunity to come and pay their last respects, view the body. I think this is something that many, many people regard as being an important part of the grieving process to kind of have their last moment uh, with the person before it, just in the whole transition process. And this ended up being a big to-do and, and caused further consternation uh, amongst people that were already suffering over the loss of a loved one. Uh, this tacky, trashy white woman uh, to just as ah, he's gone, you know, let's dispose of remains beyond. I don't care about, you know, his, his black family members. Just if you need another illustration, in my view, that this is standard 
operating procedure and no one should be fooled in thinking that just because this white person married or is with a black person that they are not racist. Uh, that is, I mean, one of the greatest fallacies that you could uh, make commit to uh, faulty concepts thinking that that should absolve this person from being thought of as a racist. Absolutely not. Makes me wonder, too, when somebody gets cremated, you know, very quickly, makes you wonder what, what happened there. Mm. You know, what, you know, is it possible that it was foul play? You know, so um, I don't know. But I see that all the time, that, that kind of like the contempt that is held for the, the black person's relatives. Now, I didn't see a lot of that with, with the people I'm talking about. However, there was kind of a thing. One thing I did notice was if the, if, if the white partner was a male, he wasn't comfortable around black men. Yeah. So, uh, and I've noticed from people that outside the family, you know, there's a, the, the black person has got to do a lot of accommodating. They've got to do a lot of accommodating. Uh, because that, black, that white person, for the most part, is not trying to join the black world. They want you to come to their world whatever that means. But they're not looking to join your world. You know, there may be some exceptions where this person is some kind of, what do they call those people, that like to hang around black people. Now, that may happen among some young people, you know, because they think it's cool and hip or whatever. But uh, for the most part, at some point in time, that's not going to last either. And you're going to have to accommodate their world. Hmm. But I just see it. For, you know, regarding the individual, yes, but regarding the family, the extended family is total disaster. It's disastrous. It's disastrous. You've created a break in your family right there. And if you think the white family and that black family are going to bond and become one, then you really are naive. Mm. Context of white supremacy. Um, I guess, folks, a lot of people asked, um, based on your understanding of racism, white supremacy, and, and what you've seen personally dealing with uh, some of your family members, victims, who made these uh, mistakes, we would say. Um, do you, would you say, hey, this is something that you might have to throw in the towel, as they say, if it's, if it's uh, a family member and they say, hey, I'm, I'm marrying Judy, she's great, uh, I don't think she's a racist, and, you know, we're getting married and, and we're going to do our thing, or I'm... I'm marrying, you know, Ronald. He's the greatest white person ever. He's definitely not a racist, and we're looking forward to, you know, spending our life together. We're going to have our children and blah, 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 blah. Um, do you toss in the towel? Meaning, hey, it's, it's not a whole lot that I can do uh, about this. Maybe I make my views known. Maybe I don't. Um, but it's not really a whole lot I'm going to be able to do to get this person to not make this decision. So I just have to chalk up my losses and, you know, just go with, Hey, this is the system of racism. White supremacy has claimed another. Yeah, I, I say that's pretty much it. Uh, a person that gets in real deep like that is not going to listen to you. It's one of those things where they have to come to the realization themselves that this isn't working. Now, I've seen people get married to a white person and then, Perhaps they came to that realization, and the next person they were with was a black person. Did they, did they make that leap of understanding that the problem wasn't just that individual, but that fact that that was a white individual? I don't know. But I do know people that were married to a white person, and now they're with black people. And so I don't know exactly what made that trend, you know, whether they had an awakening or whether something happened. 
uh, or whether that white person left them. I know in two different cases, the white woman left them. And so they wound up with black women. Now, did they feel that this white woman, uh, rep- you know, did they learn? I mean, was it because they understood that something about the dynamic was, was de- you know, um, was harmful to them? Or was it just the fact they were angry and they weren't going to trust any more white women? I don't know. But uh, I don't think you can do, I tell, you know, oh, what a dilemma. You can't go to somebody and tell them they can't be with that white person or they shouldn't be with that white person. It's just not going to work, particularly if they're already involved with that white person in a sexual way or where they're married or they're serious. You can forget it. They're going to have to come to that realization on their own. Now, I think you can talk to people who are out there dating, period, who are not in, you know, in deep with any with white person. You might be able to talk to them, you know. Um, but once they're in deep, you know, good luck. I think uh, it's like anything else. People have to find out. The, the desire to understand has to be there. And that's true of anything, you know, you know no matter what it is. If the desire to seek more knowledge or more understanding of what the person is doing is not there, you're not going to give it to them. And they're going to be totally resistant to you talking bad about that white person. or Because a lot of times... It's not even a white person they want to be with. It's they want to be with a white person. A lot of times they feel so uplifted and so validated by being with the white person. You know, it's like you're threatening to take away something that they need. Definitely. I tell you, but they, they've done a good job on the heads of non-white people. Great job. Spectacular. And over centuries, I might add, not just, you know, this is not just a five year, two year. (laughs) This has been for years and years and years, centuries that this has been going on worldwide. Um, Mm -hmm. The one recommendation that I would give uh, for listeners, and I know uh, I thought it was great that you shared that, you know, some of this was happening uh, personally for you and your family before you had a better understanding of of racism. Um, If, you know, you have this understanding before any of your relatives or people that you care about become involved with white people, I think one of the best things that you can do is to make your stance known on uh, marrying sexual intercourse with a white person before it happens to make your stance known, whatever your code is, right? Uh, I, I would say like on a personal level, it's, you know, this is incorrect and explain why because of the system of racism, white supremacy, this is incorrect. And you can give the details of that, give them your definition of racism, um, and then you can tell, like, you know, if anybody should do this, my child, my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, uncle, niece, nephew, whomever, cousin, friend, uh, this is not something that I support. I'm not going to change my mind on this. Uh, it's not about a personal thing. So that's why I say if you can do it before it happens, it's not personal. It's not that, you know, I don't like Judy specifically. It's not that I don't like Ronald specifically. This is the logic, counter-racist logic, because of the system of white supremacy that we are living under. So uh, me meeting this person and us going out to dinner or having a cookout, we get together and play a few rounds of cards. And I'm going to realize that this person is cool and not racist. That's not what this is, where you can explain it. I'm not going to the wedding. This white person will not be welcome at my residence. That is a big one that I would I would get in for me personally, uh, that if you marry this person, I will continue to talk to you, my brother, my sister, whatever the non-white person. But that white person is not 
welcome at my house. And I'd be very clear uh, about that. We even had programs where a black male, uh, his friend, black male, was in some sort of sexual arrangement with a white person. They had a child together. They had an argument away someplace else. They brought their conflict to this black person's house. The white woman got angry, called the police, and these two black people ended up handcuffed and at gunpoint just because this white woman got upset at how her, you know, black person was. She didn't like the way he was behaving. So, and, and the kicker was she called the she didn't just call the police. She called the police and said, these black guys here were talking about shooting the cops. This is the address. You should come wow. and deal oh. with And they can't. And this, this was in 2005. This was last year. This was 2015. And it was in McKinney. If people remember, this was just a couple weeks after the McKinney pool incident happened in Texas where that young uh, black teenager where she was in a bathing mm-hmm. suit and the no good officer came and threw her on the ground and sexually mauled her yeah. and everything. This was just a couple weeks after that in the same town. All of this just because this white woman got upset. She didn't like the way that her black male partner was behaving. And within 30 seconds, they could have both died. And it would have just been, oh, well, niggas, right. was, you know, acting crazy. And that's that. So that's why. And I told when we had him on the program, I told him that whole situation could have been avoided. You're still my man. We're still friends. All of that. You're with this white woman. She is not welcome at my house. If you're going to come to see me, you cannot bring her. If I look through the peephole. I look out my window and see that she's here. I'm not letting you all in to be very clear about that from the very beginning. That's just my personal code. If other people, if you want to bring them in and whatever, that's on you. But I just tell you from experience, it can go bad quickly. And that's just because that's what it means to be white. But if you can do that ahead of time, I think it can be great. That might be an opportunity if you have people that are willing to honestly speak about all this. If they're willing to engage, to engage, great. And it makes it because it's less emotional. Uh, it's not attached right. to a specific white person that you're, you know, why are you dissing Judy? Or why are you, you need to get to know? If you can do it before it even gets there, it could be great. You take all that out and then nobody's surprised. Nobody is stunned about this. You've already laid out your position on this. If people don't agree, that's fine. But you already let them know I'm not budging. This is counter racist logic. So I'm just letting you know this is what's going to happen. Uh, if any of you should choose to make that error, this is what I'm going to think. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to change my mind regardless of who the person is. And then you all can talk about it or not. Uh, I would still, as I said, I'd make an effort to have uh, lines of communication open because I think that is very important and non-judgmental, making sure that it's not, you know, I'm going to call you names and talk bad about you and, you know, dog you out to other family members. And not not doing that at all. You're still the victim uh, in all of this. I would really emphasize that, too, that you're being they are taking advantage of you. That white person is not stupid. They're not dumb. They are practicing racism by sexually exploiting you, and probably they're going to be mistreating the rest of us, too. But if you can get all that up front, fantastic. Um, unless you comments you want to make sure you got in? Well, you know what? I, I have a similar story. Um, this A black male, he was um, sexually involved with this white female. And um, I guess whatever happened, um, I don't know if he... Which one came first? But he went by her house. I guess they were breaking up or something. He went by her house, and there was another black man there. So these two black men get into a fight. Well, he winds up going to jail. The one that came over there, the ex-boyfriend, he winds up going to jail. And uh, I don't think he stayed in long. But, you know, it just reminded me of, of that particular story. 
And so this white woman, I don't think she cared about either one of them. Because why would you tell somebody to come, your ex-boyfriend, to come by the house when another man is there and get his stuff? So she wanted to see those two black men fight each other. Otherwise, she would have told him to come when that other man wasn't there. So she didn't care about either one of them. That could have wound up being really bad. Somebody could have gotten hurt or killed. But she set up that scenario. So black people need to understand the sexual thing is just another form of power. It's just another form of playing with you. You know, but for the most part, their whiteness is always going to be there. Their knowledge and understanding of what whiteness means is always going to be there. And them understanding that you don't understand is always going to be there. And I have not met one black person yet who's ever told me that the white person sat down with them and explained what whiteness was and how whiteness benefited them and harmed. You know what I'm saying? We really sat down and told them how white people practice white supremacy of any level. I never know one black person who would experience that level of honesty with a white person, particularly a white person they're sleeping with and married to. So I'm trying to think, if I know something that I know you don't know, and this lack of information could cause you to be harmed, how can I say I love you? if I'm not willing to tell you? How can I love my children, really, if I'm not willing to tell my children? They don't tell their children the things that they know about the white system and how it functions. They don't tell their, their, their children with a black person or with a yellow person or a red person or anybody else. So I'm trying to think, if I'm withholding information that could be life-saving or at least sanity-saving, and I choose not to give you that information, then what kind of relationship do I really have with you? Who am I protecting? Where's my loyalty? Is my loyalty to that black spouse or that black boyfriend or girlfriend or that black child? Or is my loyalty to the system of white privilege and supremacy? Well, I think the answer is pretty easy and pretty obvious. That's where my loyalty is to my whiteness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, another suggestion uh, I can give out to folks. I have one more question and then we'll see if any folks have any uh, questions uh, they would like to ask Pam. Um, it's been, and this is like personal experience that I can relate. Uh, if it's any non-white person, they're sexually involved with a white person, married or some sort of long-term arrangement or they've had a child with this white person. If you are a little bit less confused about racism, you have a private conversation with that white person where uh, the, the victim that they are sexually exploiting is not present. You have a conversation with them about white supremacy. It's been my experience that many of these whites, they will reveal a lot of truth. If you ask questions uh, about racism, what they know about racism, they will reveal a lot of truth that, oh, yeah, we are in a system of white supremacy. Oh, yeah, I have seen different things and blah, 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 blah. They might run down and give up a whole lot of accurate information to show that they are not ignorant about racism at all. However, the kicker, and I've seen this demonstrated on a personal level several times. Once the person that the non-white person that they are sexually exploiting comes back, uh oh, <laughs> What racism you say? Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't I don't know anything about that. What is what does racism mean? Now all of a sudden they're ignorant. They don't know anything. They're not willing to give up any of the constructive information that they were willing to share when that their victim was not present. And that in my view just again goes to the really 
deceitful. And I mean, this is like skill. When Mr. Fuller and others, when they say whites are master deceivers, uh, I just don't think that we have an understanding of how meticulous this is. This is not somebody just being ignorant and kind of stumbling, stumbling along with all of this. They are, as you just, they are deliberately withholding life-saving, accurate information about white supremacy from someone that they claim, I really care about this person. I'm really looking out for this person's best interest. Maybe we're going to spend the rest of our lives together, have children, you know, bring a life into the world. And they are withholding information about the number one most important problem on the planet. I have seen that consistently. And if they see, oh, this here nigger is a little bit more informed about racism, I am going to make sure that I damage their credibility with the non-white person I'm having sex with. I have seen that personally happen repeatedly where they will go to work talking to that non-white person like, oh, man, that Gus dude is crazy as hell. You don't want to listen to him. And they'll wait until you're not present. And then they'll just go to where they might even do it real casually. Like he was saying a lot of crazy things. And I just don't know. And I mean, I I know that's your brother. I know that's your friend or whatever the case may be. But, man, I was I was just really concerned. And I I just kind of feel bad for him. And they just just on the basis of them being white, as you said before, many of the victims that they're with are so white identified. That relationship means so much to them. They will have no problem saying, oh, really? You think I will make sure that I minimize the amount of time that I spend around Gus and I will not let any of his nutty ideas impact the way that I think about white people, you specifically or racism in general. I have seen that play out repeatedly on a personal level and with other people where they do the exact same thing, white women and white men. Uh, Anything you want to share there? Well, it just it doesn't benefit them for their for their victim to be informed, and I think that that's the most significant thing that a victim could know is that if they weren't victimizing me, why would they not want me to understand? Why are they being deceptive unless this revealing this deception, uh, uh, you know, puts them at a disadvantage? Why would it put them at a disadvantage if they were sincere and well-meaning? and weren't exploiting their superior position with a confused person. So, I don't know. But I know it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's, 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 it's so bad now. This whole interracial thing, sex and all this stuff is so bad that I can see that the level of mistrust between black men, men and women is, is going off the chain. And that's all part of the process, too, is that... I give you this as, a, as an alternative to that. I make sure that looks bad. This looks better. So then when we see black people with these white partners, that just deepens our destruct of black people. You know, even for those people who say they're not bothered by interracial relationships, I... particular situation, and you will find out they do have a problem with it. It can be something as simple as, you know, see, people say a lot of things, but do, you know, do they mean them? Well, I haven't found that to be true. You know, everybody wants to appear to be politically correct and blah, 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 and open-minded and sophisticated. But in reality, I think most black people, when they see a black person with a white person, particularly if not a famous person, I think that level of distrust of that black person goes through the roof. Now, if it's a famous black person, you know, with a famous black person, depending on your mindset, 
you know. But I think when it's just the guy down the street brings home that white girl or the woman across the, uh, at, the, at the job introduces her white fiancé, that black person has become an unknown or a suspect of some kind. Hmm. Wow. It damages our perception of each other, which is all by design. So it, it, it does a lot of damage, a lot of damage. But it's all by design. Because if it wasn't, they wouldn't be promoting it. You have to ask the question, whatever they promote for you to do, I would like to see us get to that point of understanding everything that they promote for us to do is bad. There's probably very few exceptions, if any. Anything they push, 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 push us to do, be it voting, be it dating white people, more than likely is to our disadvantage. And so you don't have to be a rocket scientist and be an a, 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 a analyst of some kind to see that whatever you push for me, if your whole agenda has been to harm me, whatever you tell me to do is probably bad for me. Unless you, especially if you're targeting me in specific, you know, you specifically target black people to do something, then our history has shown there's usually something bad. Absolutely. I might even add cannabis consumption in there as well, but I know some people think that uh, whites don't mean us any harm with that. Um, the last one I'll get in before I get the, the callers, does it make an impact when you have these major uh, incidents like Charleston last year, uh, coming up on the one-year anniversary of that, uh, Donald Sterling from 2014, uh, the Ferguson situation, Sandra Bland, like major flashpoints when racism is the topic of the day. Everybody is talking about it. It's all over the news or what have you. Uh, when you have these tragic arrangements, does that motivate uh, either the, the non-white person, the victim, or the white person? Does that, you know, encourage them to talk about this a little bit more, at least to be honest, for a few hours, a few days at least? Have, though, have you noted where any of these incidents have an impact? Nope. I sure haven't. Now, it may just be the people that I'm around. But uh, a lot of people that I'm around, particularly at my job, yeah, I talk about something in a very superficial way, but they don't want to get deep with it, nor do they want to think about it. A lot of what I've run into is just plain old avoidance. I think racism, you know, all these racist incidents to happen, a lot of black people go deeper into denial because they don't want to deal with it. They don't know what to do about it. We watch a lot of television. And we look at a lot of movies, so our racial loyalties are divided. Because we watch a lot of television with a lot of white faces, and a lot of movies with a lot of white faces, and white people become the face of humanity. They become the good people, the intelligent people, the smart, witty, everything, you know. And so it's like you're telling somebody, you go in these churches, a lot of these churches, they've still got the white Jesus up, so it's like a, it's like a, a, a tug of war. I see the stuff that they're doing, but I love that program with so-and-so on it. And I really, I find so-and-so so attractive, you know. And, and, you know, so I think we go into deeper into denial. I think it, we're at a point now in our history where uh, we are actually descending, it seems, into full-blown, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? We call it RAD, Racism Avoidance Disorder. We've got it. We've got it bad. And then we go to work. More than likely, if we have a job, we have to work with or for white people. 
it creates another dilemma. So we're doing a lot of avoiding. I think we get mad about these incidents, and then we smother it because we don't know what to do with it. And if we don't smother, we take it out on other black people. Context of white supremacy. Uh, if folks have questions, the number to dial is 641-715-3640. And the code is 564-943-POUND. Press star six if you have a question. Uh, I'll give out the number one more time. Just to reiterate the statistics that you started the program off with, I think is extremely important. I've seen the same number. When white people, when they run around and they'll throw all these numbers, a lot of times that they just made up about, oh, my gosh, racism is almost done because everybody uh, approves of interracial relationships. You know, haven't you seen uh, Empire and haven't you seen uh, Scandal? I mean, everyone loves uh, interracial relationships. We're so much more approving of them than we used to be. And a full 15%, I think that's one of the common numbers that they'll throw around, 15% of the people that get married are in some sort of interracial marriage, they'll say, quote-unquote. When you look at that number, as you stated earlier, black people, white people, marrying black people is like less than 2%. It's real low. And I, some of the statistics I've seen, it's even less than 1%. It's very, very uncommon for a white person to marry a black person that just does not happen very often at all if you look at the uh, numbers for who white people marry like white people marry other white people like more than 90 percent of the time it's very very high they are just not doing a lot of that so a lot of the uh, quote unquote interracial sex that we're talking about is not yeah let's have some sort of lasting equal partnership and see if we can build something together and get a house so we can get some equity and uh, that's not going down with black people a lot of this is yeah let's just fool around uh, on the side and hop in the back seat and whatever whatever and that's that's what a lot of this is it's not let's hook up and get married and you're going to improve your status uh, hooking up with me that's just not happening on a wide scale basis uh, it's a lot it's a lot of scandal that's a lot of what this is boiling down to which is not that's about the size of what i've been saying the whole time tragic arrangements tacky trashy terroristic just another illustration of white supremacy uh the person that dialed in uh thomas in new york did you have a question for pam should be with us thomas in new york Good evening. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Good evening. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. I can hear you. Oh, good evening. Good evening, Gus. Good evening once again, Pam. Um, you know, your com your commentary on this topic is been right on point, and um, I just wanted to just um, you know, commend you for coming on the show again, and um, you know, this is your 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 topic. You know, I had a few. Um, I had one question really for you. Um, um, but before I ask the question, I just wanted to say, you know, I think that people get personally get excited to talk about racism, um, in the area eight activity, um, more so than others, um, uh, because I think people, especially those who are aware of the system, this is like one of the two areas of people activity that we can control our, um, control whether or whether or not we participate in it or not. Um, unlike, um, you know, economics or labor or, um, you know, religion, you know, like this one here is, 
um, you know, we decide whether we want to be with the person or not. And um, I think that's why it brings up so much juice. Um, um, I have a question uh, as it pertains to the offspring of these um, interracial couples. And um, I think, like I just said, your commentary and as well as Gus on this topic is always so logical. And I determined that once a black person um, gets into an interracial relationship, due to their confusion and the high doses of white validation they receive inside that relationship, um, they are never going to be deprogrammed ever, and um, you can't help them. So, um, so, um, and I've come to that same determination for the products of that relationship. Um, the offspring, um, you, you'll never get be able to convince, you know, someone anything bad about, you know, their parents, you know, um, especially with the amounts of white validation I'm sure they get from the white side of their family. And I just want to know if you had um, any similar thoughts and um, if you could make any commentary toward that, and I'll mute my line. Thank you. Well, I would say the thing I've noticed is the only way in my opinion, that I have seen from my personal experience, that the product of that relationship where that child will be able to, will, will not be white identified is if the white person isn't in the picture at all. For whatever reason, the white person is not in the picture and they grow up around black people and they're raised by black people, then you have a chance perhaps of, uh, well, you have a big chance of, that person uh, at least being open to understanding racism, white supremacy. But when the white person, white parent is in the picture, particularly living in the home, you know, it's, it's probably not, it, it's going to be a real struggle. Even when those children attempt to, because uh, I, I talked to a young lady, she was the product of a, a black male, white female marriage. And she talked about all the confusion that she had and uh, how her mother wouldn't, allow, wouldn't talk about racism, that she wouldn't want the father to talk about racism, and she would do everything she could to, de to derail those conversations. And this young lady, she was trying to, you know, get a better understanding of white supremacy, but it was really difficult because, you know, she couldn't get it within her family group, and she was, you know, she was dating white men at the same time. And she was asking me a lot of questions. So she was kind of caught in a thing of wanting to understand, but her programming was such that she was doing just the opposite, perhaps, of what understanding would have led her to do. So I think unless the white person isn't around, that's your best chance at reaching that offspring. But if that white person's in the household, more than likely my experience has been that that white child, that child, the product of that uh, relationship is going to be white identified. Can I get in one quick question? One more, Dustin? Uh, briefly. Yes, very quick. Um, this is um, just a question about Chicago. Um, I noticed in New York, um, I'm seeing a lot of drug stores everywhere, uh, pharmacies. Um, I see more pharmacies than anything, and I just want to know if you're seeing that same thing in Chicago, and that's all the question I have. Thank you, Gus. Uh, I haven't noticed any, you know, like a, a big explosion of pharmacies. We have a lot. But I haven't noticed, like, you know, anything that would catch my eye, no. Uh, I think this is our caller in Canada. 
Uh, do you have a question for Pam? You should be with us. Uh, oh, <clears throat> oh, thank you, Gus. Uh, good evening, Pam. Nice to actually get to hear you. Um, oh. One thing I want to say before I ask my questions, I think one reason why Area 8 is so popular is that I think your program is one of the few spaces where you can actually ask a thorough, serious questioning about it. Usually this is very taboo, especially over here in Toronto. Now, I have four questions. Um, the first question I have in regards to, because usually one thing that always comes up is, you know, you're just attracted, you're, you're just in, in love. Isn't it logical to say that the more you understand racism, white supremacy, the less attracted you are to white people? Because I think if you have an under, a basic understanding of, you know, white people's dedication to white supremacy, you're just not going to be attracted to them. Oh, do I think that, you know what, I think that's a tricky, tricky uh, thing to, you know, try to give a definitive answer on, because I think that people can say one thing and want something else. See, the, the programming is so deep within the black and non-white psyche regarding white people that you could understand or believe you understand racist white supremacy. And yes, it may make you less, more, have some resistance to white people, and it may make you decide no matter what, I'm not going to get involved with a white person. But does it totally eliminate your attraction to white people? I don't think it does for a black person who was attracted to them to begin with. Now, some black and non-white people had no extraordinary attraction to white people even before they understood racism. They just weren't really interested. I've met people like that. They don't understand racism and white supremacy, but they've never really been attracted. They've never pursued white people or, you know, they just, you know, they prefer their own, you know. But I think that... Given the overdosing of uh, media entertainment, I think any time you understand racism and white supremacy, it gets chipped away by our consumption of products that are white supremacy-based. So I think a person it, it can be very confused. They can harbor some desire for white people, secret desire for white people while they're talking counter-racism. I would just say it's your work in progress. And as long as you can stay out of bed with them, then work on the rest of it. But I wouldn't assume or expect anybody because they become familiar with counter-racism to suddenly turn off switches, switches that have been programmed in you from the time you were a child. I would just say if you find that tendency, you know, understand it and control it, you know, because you're going to, you're going to find that this out there everywhere. You know, people are going to be talking to you. People are going to be trying to seduce you. People are going to be flirting with you. You know, people are going to try to seduce you into this thing. You know, so um, I wish it was that simple. Okay. Now, for, thank you. That was very clear. I really didn't think of it that way. Um, now, for my next question, what, uh, you, you mentioned that in the relationship with the white person that black women tend to be more, I, I think you said, white identified in the tragic arrangement. Why would you say black women more than black men? Well, what I meant was that I think it's a necessary component for a black woman to have a long-term relationship with a white male. She's got to be, because he's less tolerant of it. That's just been my experience. He's less tolerant uh, of it. The white female, you know, the black male is probably many times just as white identified, but I think the dynamic between male and female is different. Uh, and I do think that from what I have seen, the white male is less tolerant toward uh, 
a, say, a black woman who is not totally white identified, it's going to be a problem because of the white male mentality. It's not that the white female is less racist. It says that women may be a little bit more accommodating. I don't know. Uh, but I just found that the, I'll just put it this way. The, the couples I've observed where the white male is the white partner, the black female is extremely white identified. And okay. I don't think if she wasn't, he would get along with her. Okay, I see what you're saying now. Okay. Yes, thank you. Now, my next question, now I was comparing, like, because I've listened, Gus, to some of the podcasts you had with the Asian guests, with the Southeast and the Southeast Asian and I noticed something when comparing their responses to tragic arrangements versus the black guests. I found that the Asian guests were much more willing after, I guess, their negative experience with whites to be more critical. And I was wondering if you or Pam noticed that there's a difference in responses among persons of color or non-white peoples, I should say, like variations, or is it all the same? Because you want to take that one first? <laughs> uh, okie doke. Um, I think, um, I know we've had some black people on the program who have been pretty honest uh, about their experience with white people and ended up being very critical and some of them even taking the stance that they're totally incorrect and shouldn't be done anymore. I think we've had more black people on the program talking about this issue than non-black people. I know Renithia Tate, she has talked and written uh, about her sexual experience with a white person uh, and then realizing, getting better information, realizing that that's inaccurate. I know she's in that uh, category. Um, I know there's a black male who wrote a whole book. It's pretty similar uh, where he used to be sexually engaged with uh, white women, then got better information and, and realized that that was totally incorrect and something to uh, no longer engage in. Uh, I just, it would take a minute for me to go back and get the book and everything. He has not been a guest on the program though. Um, but I can think of, of quite a few folks that are black people who have taken a similar stance as some of the quote unquote Asian people, uh, that have been on the program. Uh, I also know that we've had some Asian people who had a bad experience with a white person, but it did not completely taint their view of white people like long term. Uh, I know the we had a quote-unquote Asian female uh, on the program. I ended up making a blog post out of her commentary. She was a guest on the program in 2014. We were talking about Michael Brown, and somehow it, it ended up we were talking about scandal because I think she had written about that as well. And she said that she didn't think uh, that Kerry Washington's character was in some sort of Sally Hemings-ish type relationship uh, on scandal. And obviously I didn't agree, and we talked about just the whole dynamic of sexual intercourse. And she said, uh, no sex with white people, period. That's ridiculous. No way. And she admitted she had been in a sexual relationship with a white man. And then after she thought about it, like, I think this guy is racist, blah, blah, blah. Uh, she said, but no way, there's no way that I could say that it's totally incorrect. And she thought about it. Uh, cause I think she said that she hadn't heard that perspective before she thought about it. And then she wrote me this long post, uh, about a week and a half later and was just like, uh, that's totally ridiculous. I don't agree. It doesn't make sense. And you can't take some sort of stand that having sex with a white person, uh, is always racist and exploitative for the non-white person. And it, it was almost, she was almost saying that I was being racist by taking that stance. So I see a lot of similarities, uh, in terms of how many non-white people think about that. 
Uh, I know I can't think of a number of black people who have, you know, been honest, had some time to self-reflect, and they did realize that it's incorrect, always incorrect, and pretty much taking the stance that they would never do that again. Uh, and I can also think of some non-black people who didn't really seem to grasp uh, or were not able to be honest that this is something that is incorrect every time just because of the power dynamic of white supremacy. So that would be my response. Yeah, that's to have to... Uh, I have to co-sign on that, that, uh, you know, I think the, I don't find that non-white, non-black people um, have any better handle on this topic than, than black people. I think it's it's a lifetime of programming. And again, everything in this culture says white is better. We grew up watching white heroes, white beauty, uh, movie stars and stuff. And so you got a, a Asian child, a black child, a Hispanic child that's grown up watching this, watching white people be put on the pedestal, watching, you know, over and over, and they're still watching it. They're still watching movies and TV shows. There's, every TV show and movie that's out here is riddled with white supremacy. I haven't seen anything out here that does not promote white supremacy. So while the non-white person is trying to get educated about this, this system, if that, if indeed they are trying to get educated, it's being neutralized by our continuous consumption of white supremacy. It's like you're trying to cure a stomachache and you're eating the same food to make you sick. So I would say that non-white people are being fed this deliberately. It's all part of the strategy of getting us to stay in a confused state of mind. And even though logic will pop up once in a while, that emotional thing will override it. I would also bring those statistics up that Pam mentioned. You have much higher, like way higher rates of non-black people marrying white people than black people in this part of the world, like sizably higher. I suspect that's probably the case for Canada as well. Uh, I can also speak from personal experience. Uh, I'm in Washington state. I'm pretty close to the Canadian border. I thought when I started getting this information, because there's a significant Asian population uh, here in this part of Washington, there are more uh, Asian people than black people. I thought, hey, I'll be able to make inroads, talk about racism uh, and, you know, appeal to them because you see so many white people that are sexually engaged with Asian people here, particularly white males, Asian females. Hey, we'll be able to bring this up. They'll see the racism there. And, you know, that'll be one way of getting more people to talk about counter racism. I was greatly disappointed. I drastically underestimated the power of white supremacy. There are a lot of Asian people who see the racism in those relationships. However, there are a lot of Asian males. They are just upset that Asian females are with white men and they don't have access to eight. Uh, excuse me. They don't have access to white women. I ran into that a lot. Yes, we do see racism with white men pursuing Asian females. Yes, we do see something incorrect about that. And we're upset about the way that we are emasculated under the system of white supremacy. But white women are so cool. I saw a lot of that, and I still saw a lot of Asian females, even when they did hear about racism, white supremacy, it did not disrupt their interest in white men. So I definitely would not see that I see them being any less confused about this subject matter. I don't either. I, again, I think this whole system is steeped in white supremacy. So you, unless you are one of those people, if you're one of those people who are never really all that attracted to white people, You've got a pretty good chance of not getting sucked in. But the average person is consuming, consuming, over-consuming 
all kinds of white supremacy information, media, entertainment, beauty standards, and all that. But um, yeah, it's 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 a global system. Uh, I know you said you had four questions, but we have a lot of folks that dialed in, so I'm going to try and get all of our callers, and then if we have time, I'll swing back around to get your last question in, caller in Canada. Uh, okay, thank you. For sure. Uh, retired firefighter, did you have a question for Pam? You should be with us. Are you talking about me, Gus? Talking about you, sir. <laughs> greetings. Greetings, everyone, and greetings, Miss Pam. Uh, I have made an observation lately by looking at commercials to observe that uh, the quote-unquote corporate world is spending perhaps billions of dollars on this subject that we're talking about uh, this evening. Uh, uh, Have you observed that with with, uh, a whole lot of White, white uh, males or females uh, with uh, non-white black males and females, and in most of these commercials is also a a uh, child that, as a result of the perceived sex between uh, white people and non-white black people, have you observed that? I have observed a uh, like. Uh yeah, I, I very seldom see black couples, hardly ever. What I see is a black male, brown-skinned black male with a biracial-looking female, or I'll see two biracial-looking people and their child to be biracial, and I'll see a black male with a biracial child and a biracial-looking woman. Um, yeah, I, I, I see a, a lot of that, and, and it's, it's not by accident that that's being put out there. In other words, uh, and I don't know if I was understood. I think what I said was a white person, basically a white person and a non-white black person in the commercial, and and the perceived results with this child that that's like very you know uh, 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 light-skinned, uh, quote unquote, that sort of thing. I've seen a lot of that. Uh, also, also, there's another type of commercial that I've seen, uh, where, and primarily, what, uh, the 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 overwhelmingly to be the victim of this type of commercial is a non-white black female, where they would have one commercial after another. One commercial may have a a professional, uh, feminine-looking white female, you know, blonde or whatever. And it would have in contrast with a non-white black female contrasting that. This last one I saw was a, uh, I believe she was, she's professionally as a comedian on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sort of tall, uh, uh, complected, uh, uh, melanin-complected uh, black female. Uh to kind of get the viewer to compare the two as to, quote-unquote, what is beautiful and what is not beautiful. Have you observed something, a commercial uh, of that sort? Oh, I've seen, it seems to me, yeah, I've observed that. It seems to me that the majority of black women that they put in commercials and TV shows are mm-hmm. they make contrasts between 
based on white supremacy standards, what beauty is. Beauty is generally a slender or at least medium-sized female, and the black woman is always brown-skinned and overweight. I mean, most right. of the time she's overweight. She's not just full figure. She's overweight. And I notice they do that a lot, particularly if she's going to be brown-skinned or dark-skinned. It's pretty obvious to me that they're making that contrast. Uh, I don't know if it's obvious to other people. Like, you seem like you've noticed that. But it's, I've noticed that all the time. You know, it's, it's, it's though to say. And then I've noticed something else, too. They have moved from white women, but putting on really so-called glamorous white women, to putting on ordinary, average white women and calling them beautiful. I noticed that trend a couple of years ago that now, instead of having a really, really attractive white woman, they'll put these white women on who are not, you know, who are like marginally attractive, and they'll use the phrase, mm-hmm. she was beautiful. They have the men in, in the commercial, not commercial, but the TV shows and movies call her beautiful. And you're looking at her and you're thinking like, are they getting less attractive? Or are they just calling less attractive women beautiful? And then I figured out, okay, what they're doing is they're raising, they're lowering the bar for white women to be considered beautiful. So a white woman doesn't okay. have to really be beautiful to be beautiful. She's going to be beautiful because she's white. And so I noticed it seems to me they're doing a lot of that. Okay, sort of like confidence boosting to the, to the white viewers. Well, confidence boosting, but also desperation is that okay. I think my own personal opinion, this is not very scientific, but I feel like if they really put it out there uh, in terms of letting black women, women of color, just go out there and be themselves and be their natural selves. The white women would not be at the top of the heap. Not in my opinion. I'll, I'll give you an example. These reality shows. If you thumb through these reality shows, they're the, the ones that, that aimed at black women, they're pathetic in terms of the content. But the women, if you could turn the sound off and, and everything, these are some gorgeous women. A lot of these black women on these reality shows are beautiful. And the thing that I've noticed about them is they have all these unique faces and unique looks. I mean, they look like who they are. You know, yeah, they got the, like they got the weaves and the wigs and the makeup and all that. But what I'm saying is they haven't been redone completely by a plastic surgeon. You turn on these white reality shows, these white women all look alike. The only difference mm-hmm. might be they might have a different hair color. But they've got the same plastic surgeon, the same noses, the same lips. I mean, there are two types of lips, the natural lips and the overblown, pumped-up collagen lips. So when you look at that, I think that they have to. They have to do something to maintain the illusion that white women are physically the most beautiful women on the planet. When all you have to do is look and you see that's not true. And so I think they're doing it as a way of just pushing even harder the white supremacy doctrine. White supremacy doctrine. They're going to push harder in a lot of different arenas because you know, things are getting to a point where they're trying to solidify their, their power, and I think that their whole platform is shaky. And so they're going to be yeah. really pushing for certain things, you know, to, to push to control people's mindsets and to form people's opinions. But that's what I've noticed. Right. But last but not least, like I, like I said from the beginning, is, is, and, and I think you're absolutely right on that. Uh, and at the same time, in the spirit of refinement, they're, they're willing to spend billions of dollars. I know I know if during the Super Bowl the amount of money it costs for a commercial for something like maybe even thirty seconds that on this continuous basis, you you're absolutely correct, is that they're 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 willing to because they, they, they know they have to, uh, because people are 
because of the threat, at least, that people are getting more enlightened on on what's going on as far as uh, the system of race and white supremacy, that they have to create these, this this image, this image deception, uh, so to speak, is really what it is. And, uh, and they, they'll, they'll spend whatever maximum amount of dollars that they need to do in order to get those images across to people because they know they know they're watching television. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and, and also their number, their population is shrinking, so they've got to solidify their white supremacy position, and that means having more non-white advocates, more non-white advocates breeding with them, in the hopes of restoring their genetics, more non-white advocates are promoting, supporting white supremacy. So all that comes into making white people appear to be the flavor of the year. And so, you know, they're going to, uh, you know, they, they, mm-hmm. they just, they're going to do what they have to do to maintain their power and their position. Right, right. Thank you. For sure. Uh, I think this is our caller in Milwaukee. Uh, if you had a question, you should be with us. I'm not sure if you muted or if I made an error. Uh, our caller, I think this is our caller in Milwaukee, unless I'm totally confused. Did you have a question for Pam? You should be with us. Last four digits, 9516. Can I be hurt? Yes, ma'am. Oh, I, I apologize. I'm just, I'm just listening right now. Thank you. Oh, no problem. Uh, the person, oh, this is Roz. Did you have a question uh, for Pam? You should be with us. Uh, yes, greetings to you, Ross. I'm excuse me, greetings to you, Gus. Greetings to you, Pam. Um, yes, I did have a couple of questions. Um, I was going to say briefly. I think the, the the reason that they're promoting less attractive white women is because they're trying to get rid of the undesirable ones. Because I noticed that in my personal life, a lot of black males t- tend to deal with the ugliest of white females, and they'll walk around like she's, you know, th- the most beautiful thing on earth. So I think that's what it is. They're getting rid of the undesirable ones um, for them to keep what I guess they would call the cream of the crop, white female, whatever you want to call it. Um, I just had uh, two questions, um, and one comes from personal experience. I have a cousin. Uh, Gus plays, uh, used to play a clip of Chris Rock talking about him having an uncle who uh, hates white people but was married to a white woman. And every time I used to hear that clip, I would split my side because my cousin was, was that type of person. Very, very knowledgeable about African history, um, would talk, I mean, violence against white people, you name it, and he has a, a mixed-race child because they were married. They've been married for a number of years. And when you brought up earlier the, um, the situation where the difference between a white male and um, the black female having to be white-identified and the difference between that and the black male with the white female, I think the fem- black, white female is more refined So in, in her approach to white supremacy, so she takes uh, a much more demure seeming tone, but she actually has all the control and the black male isn't aware of it. Um, in the instance of my cousin, he basically used to spend all of her money. Um, so she, um, and I wanted to ask, because this is what I think, and I wanted to know what you thought of this. Um, essentially, the isolation that you spoke of in mixed race relationships where they tend to separate the black person from their black relatives, I see that as a, mod- a highly refined form of kidnapping. Um, and they're using the, the sex to kidnap, no different than um, th- that, that isolation in itself is a form of kidnapping so they can refine the practice of white supremacy and surround them by white people to further uh, trash and belittle 
that black person and, and basically screw up their psyche. And I wanted to know what you thought of that. Uh, well, I, I do think it's, uh, I think it's an interesting description. I think uh, uh, it, is, it is a form of, uh, I guess you could call it kidnapping, psychological, uh, psychic kidnapping. Uh, I do think that the, the black person, uh, it, it's really such a tragedy because the black person does not understand that you are not in, in safe territory, you're in hostile territory. And uh, the, I think it even goes deeper. I think it's a spiritual thing. I think it's something that's spiritual that's going on in this abduction of black psyche and black people psychologically. And uh, I can't explain it, but I think it's more than economics. I think it's something that the white psyche needs, and it, it, it feeds on black people in a way, in invisible ways. It's not just about money and about power. It's also a, a spiritual thing. It's a, a, some kind of spiritual warfare. So, because uh, it literally, in some respects, you could say you're taking your soul because you are not the person that you are. You're somebody that, that has been severely altered against your own self-interest. So, uh, yeah, regarding the white woman, she could be, that's possible she could be more refined. And then women just play a different role in these relationships. And I've, I've watched these white women, they'll cater some, not all now, will cater to the ego, knowing that the ego doesn't mean anything if I'm still in control. So, uh, you know, uh, and as far, you know, I know of people like that too, where they'll have uh, this one particular friend of mine, his uncle, could stand white people married to a white woman, would sit around the house and talk about white people, uh, to this, in front of this white female. But at the end of the day, he didn't understand that all he was doing was talking. It didn't diminish white supremacy. It didn't change anything. It didn't change his status. So, that's uh, you exactly know, exactly what it, I think you're correct about. That's what you, I started smiling the moment you said that because that's exactly what I, I saw with my cousin. She would let him ramble on and say all the violent stuff. And mind you, he has a, a mixed race child. So this child, I told him he's psychologically damaging his child because yes. he chose. And, and let me tell you, another strange thing I noticed was in their house, she had a, a, a picture of herself from when she was like a teenager. And back then, I guess she would have been considered a better looking white female because she's fat and frumpy now. And I guess it's her psychological way of letting him remember what she used to look like. But um, mm -hmm. let me get to my second question. Um, would you say because we ha black people have not had any true addressing of the issues that we have unresolved from this uh, 500 years of tyranny that we've experienced in America, would you say that there's a systemic psychological Stockholm syndrome, which is cultivated by psychosocial conditioning through media and entertainment, which facilitates those black people who, like you said earlier, feel that they are innately attracted to white people? That's what I think it is. I just think because we haven't addressed our psychological issues, we think that it's some sort of, you know, honest-to-goodness, quote-unquote, human-to-human attraction when it's really Stockholm Syndrome because we're intergenerational prisoners of war. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, in my second book, I talked about uh, something called the theory of helplessness. And the theory of helplessness is where you put a person, it was an experiment done with, with dogs, and to, to cut to the chase, Basically, they had a, cert, a, a certain group of dogs who, who started to believe that no matter what they did, they couldn't stop the shock from coming. So they wouldn't even try. 
And so I think it's Stockholm Syndrome. I think it's, you know, it's, 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 it's so tragic. But, um, yes, this is all a part of our conditioning. Because when you think about the logic of it, it doesn't make sense. Two things don't make sense to me. One is you preferring somebody who looks, instead of preferring the people that look like you, you are repelled by the people that look like you. That's not normal. It's not normal to look in the mirror and see ugliness. It's not normal to look in the mirror or look at people who look just like you and your family and decide they're less attractive. So that's the, first of all, that's not normal. The second thing is it is definitely not normal to view with desire the same group of people who are mistreating you. So obviously we have to be in an altered state of mind to, to, to think the way that we do. And it's certainly not our fault, but it's a psychological syndrome, no doubt, because it doesn't make sense to be attracted to someone who's mistreating you. It just doesn't. And, um, yeah, definitely the psych, psych, that's why they keep impacting us psychologically. That's why they keep the media going. That's why they keep all of the programming going. They have to. Because at some point, if they didn't keep the programming going, you might come to your senses. So they have to keep their psychological pressure on. And part of it is by making black male, black females be at each other's throats and making black male, black female relationships look undesirable. So they're hitting us from all corners, you know. And if somebody wants to ask me, I want to say this before I forget. If you, people want to say, what can you do about, you know, to counter interracial relationships? You know where the one suggestion I would have? Don't change other people. Change yourself. Black people, in my opinion, overall, we are not treating each other with respect. I'm not telling you just to deal with a black person and just put up with their crap no matter what it is in the interest of counter-racism. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we need to check ourselves on how we treat other black people, how we act in these relationships, how we act in front of our children in our relationships, what we teach our children about black female, black male relationships. You can't change anybody, but you can try to work on yourself. And I would say that's what we need to start with is working on ourselves because you can't go over to somebody else and tell them, uh, tell them not to be with that white person that they're already with. It's going to be a waste of your time. But we can make, and this might be naive, but we can certainly try to make it so that a black relationship, if you can be in a black relation, a relationship with a black person and make it productive and constructive and loving, that's the best example of black love you can have. And if you're doing this in front of children, it has a big impact, you know. So, uh, you know, that would be my suggestion for how to counteract uh, interracial relationships. Because, you know, the one thing that black people say, the white man treats you better, the white woman treats you better. Now, we know that's not true. But given the state of our relationships, it can start to look true based on the way that we treat each other. Appreciate that, Roz. Uh, person that called in, 5992-5992. Did you have a question for Pam? You should be with us. Call her at 5... Really don't have, um, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Yes, I was just saying that um, she really covered everything thoroughly, and so did you, Gus. So I may have a couple comments, but I'm not quite sure if I have any questions. And I also want to appreciate the low statistics that you both brought out earlier. That's very, very good to know because, you know, TV and other media can certainly give us the impression that more and more people are um, involved in interracial um, relationships. But um, 
I just want to share a couple of stories, very short stories. One of my coworkers who had previously told me, she was a white woman, and she had told me previously that she had a black son who's like 21, something like that. So going, uh, going down the road here, she, she told me about the Black Lives Movement that was going to be at some uh, university, and she said, um, I want my son to go. And, but he don't, she said he's not, he's not black, so that's why he's not going to the Black Lives Matter. I said, wow, you know. I said, you know, eventually somebody's going to remind him that he's black, and he just had this blank stare on her face like she had no idea what I was talking about. But in a way, she knew something was wrong when he said that he wasn't black, so he wasn't going to the Black Lives Movement. Um, and another uh, little story I want to share, I do have a young, young cousin. She's in college. And she have a white uh, male friend who's been with for like five years. And uh, for me, when I am around him, I, I agree with you, Pam, minimal contact is, is best for me too. But when I am around him, I don't, I don't associate with him. I wait until she like walks away from him and then I'll go and speak to her. I just can't speak to her and him in the same space. So I have a problem with that. And one other um, comment, Oprah Winfrey, before her show closed down, she was telling black women, oh, well, you know, the black men's just not out there. You know, you're just going to have to go and find other men. And she was definitely referring to white men at that time. So when you get people like Oprah Winfrey, who's part of this, uh, I don't even want to call it a conspiracy, it's just uh, it's a realistic uh, move that they're uh, trying to, you know, about here in in this white supremacy. Um, so Oprah Winfrey, she is definitely part of this, you know, well, black women should now look at, you know, turn to white men because black men are not there. So that's all I wanted to share. Thank you. Yeah, you know, the way I look at the entertainers, be they black or white or green or red, I look at them as just part of the propaganda machine. Uh, I don't... Uh, you know, yes, they can occasionally say something you agree with, you know, but I know, I feel like when black people get a mic, they're there to promote white supremacy in one form or another. I don't care what it looks like. If they're not promoting white supremacy, they're not going to get the mic. If their position doesn't promote white present, uh, uh, supremacy, their show, their program, their comedy, their movie making, whatever it is, doesn't promote white supremacy, they're not going to be on the air. So it has always been my advice to people is just dismiss what these people say who get this mic, this mainstream media mic. I just dismiss it. I mean, everybody can do what they want to do. But I know that they're being used to promote disunity and disinformation. And a lot of times people can say things that sound true. But if you're going to say something like that, then let's tell the whole story. Let's tell why the black men aren't there if they're not there. Let's talk about the real cause of black relationship dysfunction. Let's talk about white supremacy. If they're not going to talk about the whole story, I don't want to hear half the story from you because you start to make this the fault of the victims. So I noticed that they're never going to bring up white supremacy. They're never going to bring up the role of white people in black dysfunction. They're just allowed to talk about the black, like Chris Rack with his uh, documentary on hair, you know. I mean, it just seemed to me that it was just an attempt to just ridicule the victims of white supremacy. So I'm just saying, you know, whenever it's a so-called famous black person who 
who's given a mainstream media mic, I don't care what their intentions are. I know the only reason you're going to get a mic is that you're promoting something that they want you to promote. For sure. For sure. Uh, the person, I think this is our caller in Ohio. Uh, do you have a question for Pam? You should be with us. Oh, yes. Um, good evening um, to you, Gus, the host, to all the callers. Hello, Pam. It's good to hear Hi. from you. Um, I, I just want to say um, thank you, you and Gus. Well, the whole show was great, but the first part, because I know when Gus talks about it, like everybody wants to talk about section, you know, section eight. And I think, Pam, when what I would say is the reason I'm like, yeah. But I, I think the thing is, so I think Roz may have said something, too, that when we come here to this show, we'll talk about it and we'll get truthful answers or we'll get um, – We'll get good ideas, good answers, and we'll get truthful answers. And and just like Pam said, they don't want to talk about it. And I think the, the, one of the things that sometimes I want to hear about it because, and, and Pam, you answered it, you know, what I was thinking in my head. I always say if, if a black guy and a black female, black male, black female, go together and if they break up, if you sit around that black guy, he'll tell you everything she did to him. She did this. She did that. She wouldn't do this. She wouldn't do that. You know, and in this black female, same with the baby. If they break up, he did this. He wouldn't do that. But I, I think what goes on with these biracial, black-white couples, whether it's a white male, black female, uh, uh, whether it's a black male, white, white female. And I said, if, if they break up, they, you, you hear nothing. You hear no, nothing you- about these conversations, you know, I mean, about these relationships. And, and and so I started thinking about it, and I said that I, I, I like, today, it's like it's a big thing, you know, and, and especially some of the younger generation with female, well, I, females and males, too, black black men and women, younger generation, it's just like it's the thing. You know, I, I got to get me, you know, I, I'm a black girl, I'm, I'm chasing these white guys, because that's what these younger black females are doing, and these white guys, I mean, I read some stuff on Instagram, and I think one black girl says, how do you react if you have a white guy? Well, you know, I've never been with with a black girl, you know, and I'm just like, you, you should keep on moving, because he's telling you, you, you're thinking relationships, and all he's thinking for the most part is what? Sex. And, you know, you'll mess around maybe for a couple of years, and then when, once he decides that, well, that that's enough, you know, he's moving on. It's no relationship. You guys are just bad buddies, you know what I'm saying? And I think with black females, because like you did say, it, it makes what, what the media does is like black relationships, you're just going to have problems. You, you're a black man, you're with a black woman, you're going to have problems. You're a black woman, you're with a black man, you're going to have problems. So you need to get, you know, there, there are other people out here for you to get. And the truth be told for me, when I think about black women and interracial baby, for the most part, they want white men. They may talk about Asian men, they may talk about Latino men. I think it's really white men they won't because of the, the you know, that belief, you know, black men with white women. Um, I just want to say thanks to you, both of y'all, too, who talked about how we go on about these relationships. But the truth of the matter is the largest biracial, if you will, couplings in this country are white men and Asian women. That's true. And That's they, true. Yeah, and they, and they get married. You know, and, and you, you guys are right when you say there's not a lot of marrying going on with the black male, a white woman, or a, uh, a white male and a black female. You know, I mean, we know there's some marriages, but we know in, in terms of 
the, the, the media presents it like, oh, this is the biggest thing. This is, the, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. You know, but we know that the numbers are just really are not there. And then I think this, too, the swirling thing. You know, I think, what's her name? Crystalline, she got the thing beyond black and white, and, you know, they're pushing that stuff. And, I mean, and it's some, you know, I'll say this, like you talk about the power of whiteness, and and what we what we don't know is black people that taking it day like just say that piece from Dr. Campbell and you know the thing is if anyone's ignorant of of racism is black people and I was reading the story of a girl who said <laughs> before the black female she dated this white guy or with this white guy for like five years and I guess in the talk comes now children you know talk about marriage you know talk about children and and he and then he he tells her that. He doesn't like her. What did, I, can't, I can't remember how exactly she said she, she put it. He put it, but he was basically saying, my child won't look like me if, if I had a child by you. And I should have been reading this thing, and I'm like, now, nah, y'all should have known that. you know. And I just kind of feel, when I read it, I kind of chuckled. I said, because basically what this white guy did is, here you go, he dragged her along for four or five, you know, five years. I can't remember the exact number. But uh, now, I, the way I'm looking at it, he wants out the relationship. She wants to go a step further, want to have a child. Because, you know, that's, you, know, you all know that's all a part of this black-white interracial. You've got to have these pretty biracial children. You know, that's a big part of this, you know. And, and, um, and I just remember as I read I'm like, well, you know, he didn't, he, he's satisfied now. He's had enough. You talk about children, and now it's time to go on because he's talking about my child won't look like me. But anyway, I just want to say thank you, and especially thank you, Pam, the silence. I think that's the biggest thing. These black people with white people, these, you know, and I, and I think the thing is, too, they, um, because we'll, of the uh, okay, pause okay, there. Okay, okay, okay. Right on. Pam, did you want to respond? Well, there's a lot to respond to. Um <laughs> I would say that I, I have, uh, I'm trying to think it was one point I wanted to comment on, and that was uh, that uh, what I had noticed, and I wrote about it in the Interracial Con Game, was that a lot of times white males will pursue black females after the black females have gone past their childbearing years. Mm-hmm. I, this is just what I have noticed, that there seems to be, that interracial, the marriages between white women and white men and black women seem to happen at a later age than white women and black men. And I think a lot of times these white guys, they don't want to have children with black women. They really don't. Um, And uh, the white female, for whatever reason, she wants to covet brownness. I mean, it's a whole lot of of psychological issues that involved in a white person choosing or not choosing to have a child with a black person. But none of it is flattering to us. So uh, it's all about the promotion or maintenance of white supremacy. Uh, but, yeah, I see that happen where a uh, black female will be with a white male over a period of time, and then uh, and he, he, he wind up not marrying her. Now, yeah, of course, that could happen regardless of the, col- the color of the man. But uh, I think, um, like, it's, like Gus was saying, you know, the, the, the percentages of marriages between black people and white people is the lowest of all interracial marriages between uh, white people and non-white people. We're at the very lowest uh, percentage-wise. So that says to me that all this interracial promotion, the Kim Kardashians and Kanye West, all this nonsense is designed to create deception, designed to create a perception of something that just isn't true. 
a lot of us are not getting together and having serious relationships. Right on. Uh, person that called in 9828. 9828, did you have a question for Pam? You should be with us. Caller, last um, Yes, can oh. I be heard? Yes, sir. Um, yes. Um, Pam, I'm, I kind of, I look at interracial dating um, from the aspect of war. Um, and, you know, I know white supremacy is war. And, but what, I'm, what I mean by that, I mean more than just American colonization form of white supremacy. Um, I kind of look at one aspect of how, if you look a long time ago, white males did not want black males sexually involved with white women at all. And then, but the whole time, you know, Sex between white men and black females were prevalent, but they didn't want black men touching white women. And I noticed that with the Arab as well, the the pale Arab, the white Arab. Now I'm not talking about the the, the dark skinned black Arab, but with the pale Arab, I noticed that when they come into the communities of African Americans open up stores, open up businesses, et cetera, et cetera. They move into our communities just like the Caucasians move into America. They did not bring their females with them for the most part, um, especially, well, hold up, because I'm not educated enough to speak on the history of it, but I'm going to just vaguely speak on from what I heard, you know through different documentary stuff like that. I guess if I'm incorrect, I can be corrected. But from what I heard, um, when they first came to the America, they did not bring their women with them. And so that led to, you know, raping of Native American women and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I wonder, my question, and I'm ending it now, my question is, what happened that made white men all of a sudden say, okay, now it's just cool to just, date white women. You know, I have no problem with it. And secondly, since we have went through this situation with white men, I mean, white people versus black people and how that went, I wonder why are we so blind to allow Arabs to come in and date black females when you, when it's so obvious that they hide their women from, you know, the entire community. It, 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 I could be wrong, you know, but that's just my opinion, and I'll mute my line and continue to listen and learn. Thank you. Uh, yeah, um, I do agree with the, I've noticed that with the, with the Arab merchants in our community, uh, their women don't work in those stores. Their women are not available sexually because they don't want their women uh, to have access to men who are not, who do they, who they, you know, definitely not black men, but probably not white men either. Um, I think why are we so blind? We're a people that's in a situation where we have no control over much of anything. And I think we've gotten to that point where we don't seek to control anything. Uh, we have, you know, just uh, over centuries, not just 
decades, but centuries, have been uh, stripped of power. Black men have been stripped of the power to protect their women and children. So I think it's gotten to a point where, at some point, people, to save their sanity, or so they think, they stop literally beating their heads against the wall, and they just kind of succumb or give up. And I think we are in a state, many of us, where we're just trying to survive, and we're really not, we don't believe that we can change anything. We don't believe we can enact any power over our lives. So we're just allowing things to happen because we don't really think we have the power to change them or stop them, which, of course, we do. But uh, that 500 years has really done a, a job on our psyche. And you can see it. It's almost like a sense of helplessness, you know. Um, but as far as uh, I can't remember the, the first thing that you were talking about. Uh... The white males used to be the same way. But all of a sudden it, it became okay to date white women or to have sex with white women in public. I wonder right. what caused that change for it to be okay. I, I don't... Well, refinement. You know, white supremacy is in its refinement stage. Uh, it's headed back toward the establishment stage, but it's in the refinement stage. And, see, white, the one thing about white supremacists that I have noticed is they're always going back to the drawing board. You know, whatever they've done in the past, they're t constantly tweaking. And when they find a better way to accomplish their goal or a different way or if something isn't working as well as they want, they come up with a new strategy. Well, a perfect strategy is for those people out of slavery. Uh, when we tried to uh, come out of slavery, they came out with the black codes and Jim Crow and Reconstruction. Okay, so now we move into the civil rights era where we come out with so-called integrated. Well, I have to come up with a different strategy now. You know, I think there's multiple reasons why they promote sex with white women. And some of them are sound pretty extreme, but one of the reasons I think that they promote sex with white women is they know it totally derails the black male's will to overcome his oppression. I think the real target in the interracial thing is black men. I think certainly black women are engaging in it, but I think we're almost like collateral damage. I don't even think we really matter in this scenario. I think the whole thing is to disable and destroy the will of the black man to resist his oppression. And the best way to do that is put him in bed with the white woman. The other thing is white people's genetics are unraveling. They're losing their ability to procreate. Their fertility rates are rising all over the world. Uh, they call it a negative population growth rate. There are more white people dying than are being born all over the world. Uh, Germany, Italy, United States. There are white women being born with no womb, no uteruses, or undeveloped uteruses. So I believe part of it is, is to get the white female and black male to breed. More than likely, she's going to be the one that's going to raise that child. Because those relationships, for the most part, from what I can see, don't last. They don't evolve into marriage. She's going to take those children, and what's important for the white woman to do it is the white woman is going to be the values teacher. The woman is the side that the child is most loyal to. So if that female side is the white side, the ch odds are that child is probably going to be loyal to that white side. The mother is going to be there. So a lot of these white women are breeding with black men, and they don't want the men around after they perform their functions. I've had guys tell me that, that she doesn't want them around the children. So I believe part of it is them trying to restore the genetics by breeding with this more melanated strong 
biologically and genetically stronger people, and that's black people. And then I think another reason, and this is really going to be something that some people may disagree with, I believe that interracial sex with a white female, not understanding dynamics, can lead to homosexuality. And the reason I say that is it is one step away. When a man gets with a woman who is in a much more powerful position and he accepts that, then some kind of change takes place. And I believe that all a part of luring the blackmail in is, it, into sexual conduct is to lead them into different kinds of sexual conduct. I'm not saying that's it all the time, but I do think that uh, basically they're doing it. I, I, oh, the, the, and I'll leave that homosexual thing alone because I really can't explain what I mean. But I'll just say the fourth reason that I would say is it creates conflict between the black male and, and black female. And as long as we have these conflict and these resentments, we're never going to have unity. The thing that they fear the most is black unity. Black men and women coming together, standing united, supporting each other in a system of white supremacy is not acceptable. So by encouraging uh, black people, say, for example, black men to be with white women, right then and there, you've got a disconnect between the black male and black female. And you've got these resentments. And we start to see each other's enemies and not allies. And as long as they can keep us at each other's throat, they never have to worry about us. The Arabs can come in, the Chinese can come in, the Martians can come in. As long as we're at each other's throat, somebody can come in and rob the house blind. We're going to be out in the street fighting. They can burn the house down with our kids and say, we're going to be out in the street fighting. That's where they have us to some degree right now. We can't see what's going on because we're too busy fighting with each other. Hmm. Appreciate that. Uh caller in Alabama. Um, the only thing I would add to uh, his comment about in terms of promotion of sexual intercourse between uh, particularly black males and white women, um, I would go back to those statistics that Pam mentioned again. I, I do think, uh, and I mean this is a pattern under the system of white supremacy, there tends to be a lot more paranoia uh, and public depictions, even if you want to go all the way back to birth of a nation, of black people allegedly raping a white woman or being sexually involved with a white woman or recklessly eyeballing a white woman than there actually are. I think that's a long pattern under the system of white supremacy. And I think with all of the promotion of that now on television or what have you, I've held for a long time that I think that gives the suggestion that there's more of this happening than there actually is. Uh, between black males and white women. I think for most of the black males, I know they kind of have limited access to white people, period, uh, much less sexual access to a white woman. Uh, but I do remember Dr. Frances Cress Welsing, her sister will be here tomorrow. Things, One of the things that she was saying consistently on this program and elsewhere uh, during 2015 was that she saw a correlation between uh, all of the images and this promotion of sexual intercourse between black males and white women and these killings of black males, uh, black mm -hmm. people, period. But she was saying specifically these police shootings and what have you, and even just random white people shootings of black people. Uh, she said Dylan Storm Roof, we're almost at the one year anniversary of Charleston before he began his white supremacy campaign of terrorism. He said, I got to do this. You're raping our women. That's been like standard call of whites for centuries in terms of them justifying, terrorizing, killing black people. 
Uh, if you folks remember, I think now people have a whole different perception and thought process around Bill Cosby. He did lose a son. I think part of that was around, was he with a white woman? I think that was a part of that narrative in terms of what happened when his son, I believe Ennis, uh, was killed some years ago. And in fact, uh, when we had Dr. Kenneth O'Reilly on the program, he wrote the book Racial Matters that talks about uh, the FBI campaign of terrorism against black people during the 1960s and 70s, black people who were trying to work against racism. He said that Bill Cosby's wife, Camille, picked his book and told people that anyone who's going to talk about racism, you need to read this book uh, after their son was killed. Uh, folks remember even a couple years ago uh, when the same summer that Daniel Holtzclaw got arrested for raping all those black females, the same month, same summer, uh, Ferguson, uh, when John Crawford was killed, when uh, Michael Brown was killed, that same summer, Lennon Lacey was found hanging in North Carolina. Weren't some of those reports, it suggested that this was because he was in some sort, and I can't even say it's a sexual relationship, wasn't it suggested? I know I read the reports that this teenage black male, 17 years old, that he was killed because he was with some white woman, and this was like a 30-year-old white woman, so this is like total pedophilia child rape. But I saw those reports suggested, and in fact, they even suggested that that might have been what led his grave site to be desecrated uh, where people came and abused the headstone and were digging the ground up where he had been buried at. This is just 2014. I don't even hear people talk about that case anymore. I suspect there are people listening to this program right now who've never even heard the name Lennon Lacey. And this is a black male that was found hanging under suspicious circumstances the very same month that Michael Brown was killed in Ferguson. Just, I think that's significant as well to add that because I know that was Dr. Welsing's theory that she thought uh, this was being done to encourage increased violence against black people in the system of white supremacy, even if it's not happening at the level that we think it is, black males in sexual relationships with white women, just the appearance of that to encourage increased violence against black people in mass. And she would say that the same thing was happening in Nazi Germany when Hitler, the Nazis came to power 1930s. Uh, the, oh, oh, God. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for adding that. That is so significant. And uh, that is, I, I, I agree that that's creating a perception. And I, always, I did always feel that the imagery they put out there was designed to enrage white males. And I believe some of the black men that have been found hanging uh, over the last five or ten years uh, one black male that was found in a, in a woods or something, uh, they claimed he died of a drug overdose. I don't remember this. Uh, it was somewhere in Oklahoma or Texas, I think. might have been Texas. And he was found with, uh, I think, one of his ears severed, uh, one, one sock on, one shoe on with no sock, and the sock found somewhere else. Anyway, they claimed he died of, uh, died of a drug overdose. This black male was married to a white woman. So I do think that they're using that to redirect white people's rage, particularly white male rage, toward black men in particular, black people in general, but black men in particular. Uh, all this anger that white people have about their uh, circumstances, their rapidly deteriorating circumstances, is being directed at black people in ways in which we wouldn't even think. And uh, I, I think that's, that's, that was, that's a very, very valid point. And I would tell you, right here in Chicago, and I don't know if you guys have heard about it, we have a lot of random shootings on the expressways lately overall we have a lot of random shootings 
and there's this assumption that these are gang-related. Well, they're not all gang-related. I don't believe that. I believe it's quite possible that people, that somebody could be a paramilitary group, could it be a, 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 a white supremacist group, could it be just a lone white person. I believe some of the killing is being done under very suspicious circumstances. I don't believe it's all black on black. So uh, there's, gonna, there's a lot of attempts to make black people escape go for white rage and certainly promoting this idea that black men are having all this sex with white women because that doesn't promote white rage that white men are having sex with black women because that's always been the white man's, what would you call it, one of his privileges of having sex with non-white women. That's always been one of his privileges. People don't have to like it. They just accept that it's true. But I believe the black male with the white female is designed to, you know, the perception is designed to increase white rage, particularly that of the white male. Even though, like you say, it's not happening nearly as much as the media promotes it. Like there's all these black men out here, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I just wanted to say thank you for adding that. For sure, for sure. Dr. Frances Cress Welsing, as I said, keep her. I know that's something she would add in. Uh, our caller in Michigan. Oh, and that was Alfred Wright, the black male that you mentioned that was found in Texas under, uh, died under suspicious circumstances. Alfred Wright, uh, he was married to a white woman that also, uh, people had lots of suspicion uh, around that as well, that that could have been the same thing because he was married to a white woman. Uh, mm-hmm. Caller in Michigan, did you have uh, questions for Pam? Uh, good evening, Mabby Hurt. Yes, ma'am. Good evening. Uh, good evening, Pam and Gus and to the listeners. Um, I'm really enjoying this uh, program this evening, and I'm so glad I was able to dial in. Um, towards the beginning of the show, uh, Gus, you mentioned um, just ways that we could uh, interact with family members or just people that we know that are in these tragic arrangements. And I found what has been very constructive for me is like you said to um, let it be known what your stance is, and also to just be non-judgmental because understanding that we are all victims. So that has been um, creating dialogue, I would say. Um, whereas before, I you know just couldn't bring it up with, without the uh, non-white person becoming defensive. So um, I just wanted to say that was uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, also, in my experience, um, I've noticed um, just lots of interracial relationships where it's mostly black men with the white women. Um, also, you know, I think it was Roz, the caller Roz, who mentioned um, that Chris Rock clip. And I will always just, you know, shake my head when you play that because I, in my experience, just noticed a lot of white women with black men, and the white women are the ones who are, um, I guess, taking care of the black man. So they have the job. Um, the black man have this false sense of power. Um, and I've even asked questions like, you know, it, whether it's a relative or just someone like I grew up with or, or I know, um, they choose white women who, you know, just have, you know, money or that's just giving them this false sense of opportunity. Um, they were always just, exclude that individual white woman and say, oh, it's not her. Um, and, you know, she treats me nice. And then they cheat on her or just, you know, just kind of from, you know, a black woman looking, it's like, wow, he's really dogging her out. And she's taking him back time after time, 
taking care of them. But it's, so it's just this confusing relationship, and I've seen it over and over and over again. So I don't know um, if you guys wanted to speak to that. And then I also had another point. Um, again, a lot of the white women just have that Crystal Tyler, um, that guest that you had on, Gus, just this mentality. And I find that they're just like the white rejects, like um, – one of the callers just asked, well, why all of a sudden are the, are the you know, white people allowing this interracial thing? And I noticed just in my experience, they're like rejects of the white society. They are people that are just going, they want to sleep with, with black people or non-white people. So um, I'll pause on that. And then I definitely wanted to um, ask another question. I'm not sure what the question was. Well, just what um, what were your thoughts on um, this power dynamic where the white woman is taking care of mm-hmm. black men? Okay. I think it it's emasculating. I think for me personally, I think it's all power, like you said, a power dynamic. I mean, she's playing the role of the male. She's playing the role of the one in charge. And it doesn't matter if it looks like he's exploiting her or taking advantage of her. She's still the one in charge, and he's still the dependent. So in many respects, it emasculates him, and he doesn't realize it. Uh, you know, and, and I, I think the white woman knows that this is not good for him. And it's not her job necessarily to, 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 make, to make sure that it's good for him. It's just that I think that that's why I say a lot of times that it feminizes black men when they're with white women. Because she's the most powerful person in that relationship, whether he works or whether she works, and so uh, it's, it's just a strange dynamic. It's it's it's, it's uh, but I don't I don't see that I don't see it as a man getting over. I see him as being victimized in a different way, because it's certainly not beneficial to him to live off that white woman. It's not beneficial to him. Okay, you know, he's getting things he hasn't worked for or whatever, but it's not beneficial to him in the long run. It just made him weaker. And I think that that's all part of the process, to make him weaker. Well, guess what? It's weaker he gets, the longer he'll stay around until she gets sick of it. So it's a, war- it's a form of control, I think, that's masked as something else. Um, Thank you. Um, The next um, thing I wanted to ask was how can we get uh, your other books? The one book I do have of yours is uh, Black Love is a Revolutionary Act. Um, I wanted to get um, contact information so I can get your other books. And I just, it was interesting when I found out you were coming on the program tonight, I opened up the book that I do have. Um, and I went to page 193. Um, it was a quote from Malcolm X. When you teach a man to hate his lips, the lips that God gave him, the shape of the nose that God gave him, the texture of the hair that God gave him, the color of the skin that God gave him, you've committed the worst crime that a race of people can commit. It's interesting. That's the first page I went to um, when I opened up your book. It's the 91st anniversary or birth anniversary of uh, Malcolm X. And I am struggling severely with um, just going like natural with my hair. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been since age 11, like my mother and everybody just put a weave in me, you know. (laughs) I have hairdressers and my family 
and I've mm-hmm. just, I, I have a great head of hair. Um, I've psyched myself out to believe that I can't manage it. It's just too hard. And I've been comfortable, you know, just wearing a weave. And so I want to come out of it. It's like now that I'm less confused, I'm hating every moment that I'm, like, just doing this to myself. And I've read your chapter over and over again, but it's not penetrating. It's just like what is it that is stopping me from letting this part go? And I know that for myself, I mean, because I have a daughter, and it's like, you know, once again, you know, I'm And it's disgusting me, but I'm still caught up in this cycle. So I, I don't know if you could just speak to it. Um, I thought it was interesting that I went to this this page and um, just okay. wanted your thoughts. You know, um, certainly. Uh, I can just give you the name of my website, and it's uh, racismws.com. And you'll see it along the top menu, the bookstore. And you can get the books on Amazon, or you can order it directly from, from, from me. Uh, and one of the books that deals with the uh, a little bit more about beauty is the beauty con game. Uh, but as far as the hair thing, well, you know what? I would say some of it has penetrated because you're uncomfortable with it, and you want to make that change. It's just it's a big change because you've been doing something for a very long time. I personally think you're going to love it. I think you're going to love it, and I think that it will do something for your um, sense of self because you'll be more your authentic self. And I think that uh, hair is a big issue for black women. And I think once you release yourself from that wig, weave, perm situation, you're going to find that your hair is, is a, whole unique, uh, a whole unique situation. I mean, it's, it's, it's unique and it's beautiful and it can be styled in all kinds of ways. I think you're going to find you can be cr- more creative with it. And uh, I think you're going. I, I, I think you're headed down the right road. I think it's just that you know you've been doing something like you said for a long time, and uh, it's it's a big change. But I think it's going to be fine. I think it has pen, the message has penetrated, or you wouldn't be uncomfortable with it, you know. And uh, the one thing that I find about weaves and stuff like that is not that the person that has them is, is stupid or defective, but they have been convinced that the natural beauty isn't beautiful. And then you have to ask yourself, well, why would somebody go to all the effort to convince you of that? Because they're afraid of you knowing that it is beautiful. See, that's all part of the white supremacy thing. Black women in particular uh, have a lot of pressure on conforming to uh, a European style of hair. And, it's you know, now it may not be as bad, but a black woman getting fired for wearing their hair natural. So you have to ask yourself, what is so powerful about natural hair on a black woman that the whole system would attack us over it, stop us in airports, harass us in airports through the, uh, through the lines, you know, where they, they check your you know, homeland security lines, whatever you call those lines. Why, people, why, would they, why would they react so strongly? Because they know it says something. They know that it is powerful. Embracing who you are, embracing your natural self is powerful. And the one thing that makes white supremacists feel secure is when we try to imitate what we don't have. We try to look like them and be like them. That reassures them that we're still asleep. So um, I think, I hope you go for it. Keep in mind, if you don't like it, you can always change back. 
I hope you don't do. But uh, <laughs> I think you're going to find a sense of empowerment with it. Well, thank you. I appreciate you definitely taking the time out this evening to um, get on the call tonight. This is exactly what um, I just needed. So I will keep you guys posted. <laughs> thank okay. you. All right. Thanks for coming. I am uh, a black male, so I do not feel uh, immensely qualified to offer any suggestion on this. Uh, although the one thing I can say, I think when Pam was with us last time, we were offering our thoughts and remembrances uh, on Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. And I think both of us commented that it's, it's such a monumental statement. Even if you don't read the ISIS papers, which I hope people do multiple times, or hear her lectures, anything else, just seeing her with her natural hair, that this is someone who spent a half century talking about racism with her natural hair. And I think we talked about how, regardless of when you see her, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, natural hair, that that sends such a strong message of black self-respect. And when they had the memorial service not that long ago, they had pictures where Dr. Welsing did have chemically mutilated hair. Where you could see her with straight hair. I had oh. never seen her with straight I've hair. I've never seen that. I, it's on this, the, sir, I'll send you the flyer that they had for the service, but you can see some of the pictures where mm -hmm. she's like a teen and in her early 20s mm -hmm. when she did have straight hair. And her sister, the mm -hmm. first time she was on the program, uh, I was telling her that, and she said she did have uh, straightened hair. She said, I was the first one out of the three sisters to go natural. And she said it took her seven years. Uh, Lauren Cresslove, she'll be here tomorrow, but she said it took her seven years to make the transition, uh, that it was not easy. She talked about a lot of the same difficulties. She did have mm -hmm. examples of what to do. And this was earlier, too. This is like in the 60s where you didn't have as many. You couldn't just go online and, you know, get whatever hair care mm -hmm. products you need to do all this. So she said it was so difficult and a lot of the same programming that she had been subjected to. And she said even even uh, she said her mom was not pleased about this. Like, what are you doing with your hair? And that looks terrible. <laughs> a lot of the same thing that I suspect a lot of us are subjected to now. But she said it took her seven years to do this. And then the other uh, sisters followed salute including dr francis cress welsing but just i think that's so important because i mean white people have been so effective that i think just the importance of being patient uh that it's not an overnight thing that it takes time just be caring with yourself she says that dr welsing sister says it all the time love yourself be caring with yourself don't beat up on yourself and it is a process it, it, for her it was a seven-year process but she got there she says she's been natural ever since and she still gets snide remarks <laughs> from people from time to time but she says she's done it wouldn't change it and just her doing that influenced dr welsing to make the same change and you know i think that was hugely important as well but i might even be good if you have the time to call in to ask her about that tomorrow i'm sure she might have a word or two to say on that yeah, so it's 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 definitely an empowering uh, experience, and I mean, um, it it's it's almost like you move you transcend beyond just wanting to be pretty, and actually wanting to be beautiful, and to me that's a different kind of statement, where you're not going for the the the, the uh, for the magazine type of pretty. You're actually you're actually trying to create. You're actually embracing your own real natural beauty. And that's a much more powerful statement than looking like something on a magazine cover. Or should I say someone on a magazine cover? It's an acceptance of self as self exists. 
But again, it's not a judgmental statement. It's just that um, once people make that transition, uh, I hardly see anybody go back. Once they really make that transition, the people that I've known have done that, they've stayed with the natural look. person that called in from a blocked number. I think this is our last caller. Did you have a question for Pam? You should be with this person that dialed in from a blocked number. Um, yeah, can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. Um, hi, Pam. It was good to have you on the show again. Hi. I, I just wanted to say that I just want to pick up on what you said about black men um, uh, being homosexual that are uh, involved with white uh, females. I believe that to be true because I believe that a lot of black males are homosexual or they call themselves bisexual, and um, they can hide it more when they're with a white female. Uh, a white female, even if she knows that he's so-called bisexual, it's not going to be a big deal for her because she doesn't have, she's not really heavily invested uh, in a relationship with him. And, and a lot of them white people they they're into the 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 menage a trois the freaky sex the Sodom and Gomorrah type of stuff um so you know I think I think he he can he can be with her and 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 he can get away with you know with being so-called gay and it'd be it won't be a problem or and also that 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 young black boy down in in in, in Georgia uh that was murdered where they found all the trash all the trash um um all the newspapers inside of his body it was it was speculated that he that it was a white girl that liked him uh, the one that was on the high school football team with, with Kendrick with Johnson mom. yeah it was speculated that he that he liked a, a, it was a, a white girl liked him that one of those white boys liked her and so that was another case of a uh, think of a black boy being murdered, you know, because of a white girl. You know, I'd like to add something, too, is that white males as well use, uh, deal with non-white females to hide their homosexuality. And that kind of uh, surprised me, but I noticed that I started seeing a little bit of that as well. I think um, that, and certainly I, 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 I want to make sure that I make something clear. I'm not saying that uh, a, a black male that gets involved with a white female is, a, is on the DL or is on the, in the closet or is a homosexual. What I'm speaking of is the power equation, is that being with a white female can emasculate a white male, I'm, emasculate black a black male. male you know? mm-hmm. So I'm not necessarily saying that you know, that's going to lead directly to homosexuality or that they're all homosexual because they're doing this. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it's a, and I think that might be one reason that a lot of the relationships don't last is a male starts to feel uncomfortable in them. Now, I could be wrong about that, but uh, I do think that the dynamic uh, is, 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 let me just put it this way, the dynamic is not healthy for the black male or the black female. There's all kinds of psychological undertones to it for both of us. But white males do that, too. They, uh, they mask their homosexuality via women well, who are not white. I think the majority of white males are homosexual. Um, and I knew a black guy that was homosexual, and he told me when I, and I, he had relationships with with, with uh, white males, and he told me well he didn't know all the white males, but he said he believed that the majority of white males are homosexual, 
but most of them are hiding it, you know, because a lot of them, you know, they're, they're married and stuff. He said they're yeah. either the homosexual or so-called bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, well. But I just think of people like Cuba Gooding Jr. I believe he, I believe he's gay. I mean, he's got that really soft voice and Tay Diggs. You know, I mean, they were they were married or involved with white, you know, females, and they had children by him, and they seem, you know, feminized and. And stuff, and I, I just think it's a it's a good way for, for for them to hide it. And also, like you said, you know they they don't have a you know the 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 component of you know being a, a, a masculine, you know, in in the relationship. Yeah, I think it's just overall, you know, because I'm making some generalizations, some of which may or may not hold water, you know, for large numbers of people. But I would just say this: that whatever it is, it's not healthy for black people to be in a sexual relationship with a white person under the system of white supremacy. So however it manifests itself, it is not psychologically healthy for the black person. It is very unhealthy for the black person to be in those sexual relationships. And I've just seen so much confusion that comes out of those relationships. Especially if the person uh, doesn't understand what happened or why it happened. And usually they don't. Uh, caller and candidate, do you want to get in your uh, final question? Uh, I think we got it, everybody. Caller and candidate, do you want to get your uh, final question in? Okay. Um, my final question, thank you, Gus, um, is what do you think um, is a good time to start, I guess, talking to children about tragic arrangements? Mm. I think you might want to start. Uh, if I had advice, I would start talk to them about the things that they can understand, such as, you know, uh, racism, you know, uh, getting them to understand that, and then maybe uh, transitioning into relationships, because depending on how young they are. uh, But I think this is what I have found. When you talk to kids at a young age, a lot of things will stay with them that they don't understand at that present time. And I think, you know, you you might have to kind of couch it in terms that a child can understand. But you might not think your child is listening and understanding. Well, from what I have seen, I've had people come to me and tell me things that their parent told them when they were seven or eight years old, that things that just stayed with them. Uh, maybe uh, you have any ideas on that, Gus? Uh, I, I think, number one, um, I think a lot of people struggle with not just the sexual component, but just racism in general. I think a lot of our listeners and just black people in general that I've you know, talked to, heard from, struggle with how to bring that up with children. I would say, number one, children are a lot more intelligent than we give them credit for. Uh, and really, a lot of them, they understand a lot more about racism already, even if they don't have the vocabulary they understand a lot about racism at a very young age. It's not that complicated, and they're already seeing uh, in terms of what our preferences are, or the way that we talk about black people, the way that we talk about white people, changes in our behavior when we're in front of a white person, changes in our behavior when we're in front of a white person. They certainly, if you have a television, they certainly are seeing a lot there uh, in terms of whatever television programs are on. Should you happen to watch Empire or any of the other stuff, uh, we are, they are already picking up on a lot. So I would definitely encourage to go ahead and talk to your children about racism uh, as soon as they ask questions. Be 
honest, try to give examples. I know in this program, I always recommend talking to, if you have elders in the family, uncles, aunts, grandmothers, get them to talk about things that they saw uh, and the ways that they were treated uh, so that they can really put a real person on it when they talk about racism and how this has affected people in their family, people that they care about. The dating thing, uh, I would say if you can start just explaining racism and the fact that black people have enemies, non-white people have enemies, and those enemies classify themselves as white so that they can be very clear about that and the danger that the white race represents, if you can start to give them examples so that they can understand that clearly, then I think it makes it much easier to explain the incorrectness of sex. I say that all the time. I do not start out, and I would not encourage anyone starting out if you're going to explain to someone who's more confused about racism. I do not start with the sex thing. I start with just basics of racism. Let's get a definition for racism. Let's get more clarity about what it means to be white. And let's study how this operates globally as a system in all areas of people activity. I think once you start to get clarity around that, it starts to make it much, much easier to understand why it is incorrect. The logic. This is not an emotional thing. And, oh, you just hate it. That's not what this is at all. This is just making logical reasonable decisions about what is correct for black people to do to solve this problem things we should do things we shouldn't do and i think children can understand that quickly if you just give them the logic and the same thing that pam said even if it's not if they don't totally grasp it at a young age if you can plant those seeds as they get older and they have more experience with whites they get a better understanding about the world in general it will be there. They'll be like, oh, yeah, mom was telling me about that. Dad was telling me about that. My Aunt Pam was telling me about Got it. I understand. No problem. I've seen that a lot, too. So just I would talk with them early, be consistent, and make sure that the language, whatever you say to them, make sure that your words match up with your behavior so that you're not just running off at the mouth and then you're hanging out with, you know, your white pal or white friends or whatever the case may be, make sure that everything matches up so they don't see contradictions between what you're telling them and your behaviors. Yeah, very good. Uh, also, the, to reinforce that, again, is the way that we treat each other in front of our children, how black people talk and talk about other black people and treat other black people in front of children. You know, because, you know, we don't want it to seem like we're being... Uh, hypocritical in the sense that we're saying that we shouldn't be with white people, but we don't treat each other very well either. And I have seen the same thing. A, a guy that I used to work with, a young black male, he said that his father told him before he went into high school, it must have been before high school, he said, stay away from those white girls. And I forget exactly why his father said it, because I don't remember if he said that. And he said when he got into high school, that, that message just kept in his head. It just stayed in his head. And he never did. You know, he, he went to an integrated high school. He said he never did mess with a white woman. And so he just remembered. It must have been, I don't know exactly what his father said, but his father had talked to him about that before he got into high school. And he must have given him something that he could hang on to. That answer your question, caller in Canada? Oh, no, that, that's a really good answer because I've noticed some of the things both of you brought up. So thank you for that answer. It's very clear. Right on, right on. Uh, 
we nabbed all of the callers, uh, did our full broadcast, and should have time for Pam to recuperate and enjoy the rest of her Wednesday evening. Uh, the address for the website, again, is racismws.com. Uh, you can see up-to-date blog posts, uh, as well as you'll see the links uh, for all of the books that she has co-authored, uh, Racism ws.com is linked in the description for the program as well uh any final thoughts uh you want to leave folks with uh before we wrap things up this evening um the only thing i can say is we are all works in progress we're all going to make mistakes we just have to keep moving forward uh you might not be able to change another adult but you do have the opportunity to make a difference with your children and with younger people and, you know, just, you know, all you can do is, is, is just keep trying. That's, that's all that we can do is to try to make progress on our own and encourage other people and, uh, you know, try to improve the way that we treat each other. Amen. Amen. Black self-respect. Dr. Welsing would certainly uh, encourage that. That's one of the ways we can work on black self-respect and doing a better job in how we treat other black people, including ourselves. Underline that also, including ourselves. Uh, we will have Dr. Welsing's sister with us tomorrow, Lauren Crestlove. Always uh, great to hear from her, some of her views on racism and, and other things that uh, she would probably want us to remember keep in mind about uh, her sister dr francis crest welsing same program time 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific always a hoot to hear from you pan have you on the program i know listeners they're always uh, really excited and they got double tree today they got to hear their favorite subject matter and they got to hear from pam so folks <laughs> would be uh delighted uh for their wednesday hopefully this will help folks get through the rest of their uh week on the plantation um, we will certainly hear from folks tomorrow. I guess we'll be on every day until uh, Saturday. Uh, so stay tuned if you have any problems, you can't find something in the archives, uh, or have a question about something that was presented on the program, feel free drop an email until justice at gmail.com. Until justice at gmail.com. Uh, just the call, I think it was the caller in Canada where he said, uh, did I see a difference in terms of non-black people having a better understanding about the incorrectness of sexual intercourse? And uh, in my view, I see the same amount of confusion uh, across the board that I've heard a good number of black people who also have uh, a solid understanding of the incorrectness of sex uh, with white people. Speaking specifically, Jaya Sundaresh. Uh, that is the non-white uh, Southeast Asian female. She was on the program back in 2014. She was writing about Michael Brown Jr. and writing specifically saying that there needed to be more non-white, non-black people who were being honest about racism, anti-blackness, uh, and just recognizing the truth that black people are treated way worse than anybody else under the system of white supremacy. We talked about the sexual intercourse thing. She did not agree. Uh, and after she had time to think about it, she wrote me to give her vigorous opposition uh, to this stance. Uh, it's on my blog post. You can read uh, her whole email. And I asked her permission if I could reprint her email uh, in its entirety unedited. And she said yes. So it is there uh, with her permission. So you can read the whole thing. Uh, but she says, I'm just reading uh, one of her final paragraphs. She says, I also just want to say it's insulting to presume to tell people of color that they are being exploited because they are in an interracial relationship if they aren't being exploited. 
That disrespects the struggle of people who have actually been abused. People sometimes don't know when they're being exploited. That's true. Many victims of abuse go through periods of denial and rationalization. But telling every Olivia Pope, that's the main character on Scandal, uh, Kerry Washington, or Mindy Kaling, that's a non-white female. She has a television program called the Mindy Kaling Project. This is a non, uh, non-black, non-white female, uh, also so-called Asian telling every Olivia Pope or Mindy Kaling that they are being exploited because they sometimes date a white man is like telling every straight woman that they are being exploited because they sometimes date men. It just doesn't work. It goes too far. You can read the rest of her response <laughs> on my blog. Uh, it's titled interracial relationships are sad 3.0. Uh, and this is just a reprinting of the email that she mailed to me after our program. You can also go back and listen to the program that we did. Incidentally, uh, as we are all still learning, she said verbatim on the program that she did not think Olivia Pope, that's the Kerry Washington's character in Scandal, she did not think that Olivia Pope's relationship, it's even funny that she described that as dating a white man because it looks like she's just having some sort of tacky side thing uh, with a white man who is married. But anyway, she said she didn't think that that was like Sally Hemings If you watch Scandal, which I don't, but if you watch Scandal, Olivia Pope herself says that she is feeling a little Sally (laughs) Hemings-ish. This is in the second season of Scandal where she says this. I just didn't notice at the time because I don't watch Scandal. uh, And I only got this because one of our listeners doing some research, uh, there's an article in Vanity Fair where they talk about this. And they talk about the racial dynamics of what is being portrayed on Scandal. Is it racist? Is this degrading? Is this exploitative? And how the show grapples with that. Uh, throughout the seasons that it's been on. It's been on so many years. But she said that verbatim. And I had such a chuckle uh, because I said, wow, it seems that even the character thinks that there's something slavish uh, about this whole arrangement. But eh, maybe uh, I'm just talking crazy. You can certainly use your brain computer, come to your own conclusion about things, and you can check out the blog post if you want to read the uh, post in its entirety. Racism (laughs) dot blogs, excuse me, racism notes.blogspot.com. Woo! We will be back manana. Thanks all for tuning in. I hope you got a constructive uh, bit of information for your Wednesday evening. And again, we'll be back in about 24 hours. Uh, the email until justice at gmail.com. If you have questions, gripes, guest suggestions, complaints until justice at gmail.com. And make sure I get in my bit of gratitude. We started the cows. Uh, we came back on the year in 2009. Uh, we, I think we did about 200. We did more than 200 programs. No computer, no phone, uh, and just listener support. Uh, I now have two MacBook Pros so that if one goes down, I even have a backup MacBook Pro. Uh, Thanks to the folks who have contributed and kept us on the air. You think you are disgruntled and grumpy when we're not able to broadcast? Man, I am super disgruntled and grumpy, particularly if we're not able to broadcast because I'm having computer difficulties. But that should be greatly minimized uh, now that I have a backup computer and Definitely thanks to all of the uh, listeners who have supported, invested. I hope the program has been, continues to be worthy of your time and energy. With that, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. 
It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's your brother. Problem? You're a victim. Hey, I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs> Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.